Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. I was just saying, obviously the tickets when they went on sale today, because this is, uh, you're now listening to this and it's... It's Wednesday last. night. It's last Wednesday. It's last Wednesday as you listen to this. So we're actually talking to you next Tuesday. This is the, the this is it's amazing, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, someone got in touch about tickets for me and, you know, I was having issues with, with the ticket thing. And I tweeted, I said, listen, I understand there's issues about, um, you know, to the ticket site, just let you know that you know we are on top of it and we are aware of it, and we'll we, we do something about it. And I put an asterisk on it. I said, "When I say we, I mean I'm, I'm actually drinking coffee in the sunshine, but other people have assured me they're they're there on it." You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I'm going to use as, as a comment <laughs> because they said about two minutes earlier, someone was stressing about tickets on one of the Facebook groups, and they said at this moment in time, St- Steph will be stressing and Bubbins won't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that I didn't give a fuck. I just, you know, when you when you could couldn't resolve it. Well, I, I, yeah, when you're in the physical shape, I mean, it's it's it, you know you got to take it easy on yourself. No point getting stressed about stuff. No point yeah, raising yeah. my cortisol levels. <laughs> if I get stressed about, there'll be no show. Well, there'll be it'll just be it'll be like you know it'll be the Stephen Ellis show. Oh, I know. We we'd get a hologram made of you. Oh yeah, I do like um. What, who was the fellow at Coachella? What was his name? Who was the one they used? Um, Tupac. Two-pack, yeah. I always get two-pack and vanilla rice mixed up. <laughs> I only know two rappers. I only know two rappers. 
I mean, if you did die of of stress, yeah, uh, hope springs. I would watch Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd accept that Lennon and Harrison aren't going to make an appearance. But Plus, you'd be making a bit more each, I'd imagine, wouldn't you? I mean, it's yeah. Sold. That's a fair point, actually. You know, what's the maths? You'd be having my third between you, I'd imagine. We'd, yeah, we'd be split, so yeah. we'd be getting... It'd be 50-50 rather than 33 and a third. Oh, so it's almost worth killing him, Al. <laughs> it's to make... <laughs> it's not going to make sense, isn't it? I had my COVID jab this morning, didn't I? Did you? Where? In my arm. Which one uh, Which one did you get? He's such I a had, dick. <laughs> I had the AstraZeneca one. Ooh. Yeah, the dodgy one. If you listen to this, it's not dodgy in the slightest. There's nothing dodgy about it. It's not dodgy at all. Someone said there's been four blood clot cases in a million. And I said, yeah, but that's like a tenth of what you get on the pill. And, and more yeah. certainly, about a thousandth of what you get if you've got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the amount of washed up 1990s cocaine addicted stand up comics who were saying, I'm not putting that stuff oh, in my yeah. body, my body is a temple. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. But you'll fucking stick the thing off the bloke fucking on an, on an e scooter up your nose in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Some fucking scrotanoid with no GCSEs on an e scooter, you'll bang that straight up your nostrils. <laughs> What's this? Cocaine, oh, brilliant. And he's got duck worming. Tablets and, and chalk in it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Beautiful. But I will not take AstraZeneca because my body's <laughs> a temple. I know you're balanced. Just, just when you get the chance, just go and get the shot. It's a lot easier. I, so I, but weirdly, I got it in what used to be the Toys R Us down Cardiff Bay. It's now a vaccination centre. <laughs> so I had to go to Toys R Us for my vaccination. I never, I never thought Toys R Us would go best. Oh, I did. As soon as the internet kicked off. Because what a fucking ball. When you got kids... The last thing you want, same with mother care mates, the last thing it's you want to do with kids place. is take them shopping. Yeah. If you're buying toys or yeah. stuff for kids, you want to do that at home, watching your kids, not getting them in and out of a car and all the drama involved with it. They were the two things I thought, when, when internet shopping kicked off, I thought baby goods and toys are going to be short-lived. If I'd, if I'd have been a stockholder, I'd have been selling those stocks, but there's no fucking tomorrow. You thought, as soon as the internet kicked off... Hang on. What's the thing that's a real ball into I a shopping I think there are, th- there are two industries yeah. <laughs> that I can foresee yeah. struggling in this new internet age, the age of the information superhighway. Because, listen, if you're going to go and buy food, you're going to go and buy food, right? You're going to have food delivered, that's fine, but you like to squeeze it. You know, I like to squeeze a pear and have a, have a, have a sniff of a, of a loaf, right? That's different. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to wear clothes, I want to try, try a pair of flares. You on squeeze it. your pears. You, you sniff you loaves of bread. Yeah, it's a free country. In Tesco, you mad bastard. That's all right. Even 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 in COVID era, there's millions of toys all under there's one roof. There's millions of vaccines all under one roof. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Toys are us. Toys are us. Toys are us. There's millions, says Jeffrey, all under one roof, <laughs> and it's called Toys R. Now Kelly's thing it was there's millions of Jeffreys. Right? <laughs> <laughs> she thought it was hilarious because her dad's called Jeffrey. <laughs> There's not millions of Jeffreys under one roof. There's millions, says Jeffrey. Jeffreys are us. Jeffrey's name is Jeffrey. But he wasn't there today. He was just some retired nurses and stuff. Yeah. Oh, one of them should have dressed up as Jeffrey. There's a few lads there in combat fatigues. I assume they were like army kids. Not fancy dress, I'm guessing. Yeah. (laughs) On a stag. (laughs) Or getting jabbed up on the same day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was good. I turned up there. I got there early. 
Kelsey Ross, someone said it's quite dystopian, like one of the teachers in school, and it's quite it's quite scary. I went, well, if like eighty year old blokes in high vis scare you, then yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be absolutely fine. If an eighty year old bloke stands on us like Toys R Us is particularly frightening to you, then yeah. Don't bother, but otherwise, just go and get the jab. Whenever people say stuff like that to me, oh, it's so dystopian, I just think, I just go on my phone, and then I don't notice my surroundings. Yes. But also, yeah. that person has fucking zero idea what dystopia would look like. A dystopian future is not going to get a free jab in, in an old Toys R Us, is it? <laughs> I mean, that, that chapter of 1984 was conspicuous by his absence. Yeah. <laughs> Winston Smith turned up at Toys R Us for his jab. <laughs> Nancy, a retired NHS nurse, rolled his sleeve up. <laughs> That's what H.B. Lovecraft She asked him what he was up to and commented on the weather. And then he went back to his car and drove home. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds all right. His arm felt slightly sore. <laughs> Nancy said to him, a bit. your arm may feel a bit sore. If you have two like symptoms. Take two paracetamol. <laughs> take some paracetamol. If after a couple of days you feel unwell, maybe think about calling your local GP. <laughs> Winston left. We seem to be in a state of constant war. <laughs> Winston's jab was double plus ungood. <laughs> Fuck off. It's just fucking having a free jab in Toys R Us is fine. Uh, <laughs> oh. I've, I've, been, I've been scarier places, put it that way. Even the needle. Some dickheads are like, oh, it's a big needle. Because the type, the type of vaccine, they've got to use a big needle. So I said oh. to Nancy, after I'd had my... After I'd had, honestly, no, mate, to my, it's a big needle. They've got to use a special needle. Have you ever seen a Henry Hoover? <laughs> <laughs> it's as big as one of those. So I said to Nancy... It's so big, like they'll jab your arm, but some of it will go up your bum. Because that's how fucking big the needle is. <laughs> no, I was shitting myself. Like. I said to Nancy, I said, is it a bigger needle than usual? Because I had the jab, it just... It hurts very slightly for a bit, and then it was fine. Again, no room 101. Um, and she was like, uh, no. She said, well, she said, people have been saying it's a big needle, but it's just a needle. So whenever you inject it yeah. into a muscle, it's, 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 it's a needle. It's the same needle as all those injections. We've got Pfizer, and we've got AstraZeneca, and then we've got the cage that's got a rat in it that we can attach to your face. So those are the those are the three those are the three vaccinations we're offering today. Oh, I'll have a rotting cage, please. Ang, ang, angry, hungry rat, please. Doctor Burton. So uh, it's absolutely fine. I took two paracetamol after afterwards, as, as advised, and uh, I'm just waiting for feel right to as rain. Feel tired or but I, but at the good film. There's not enough sport in 1984 starring John. Hurt. Well, it's a dystopian future, mate, isn't it? To justify it as a Michael Owens movie club, is there? No, whereas Rollerball is dystopian and this sport. Oh, he does his daily exercise at the start. They all have to, don't Nailed they? It. Big Brother's watching. Yeah, he does, a few, he does a few star jumps. I'll do. Yeah, but then he, then we're, we're wandering down the aerobics route, then, aren't we? which we all know isn't a sport. <laughs> and then we'll be on to like yoga and then I'll have to leave. CrossFit Games. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fucking morons are us. <laughs> CrossFit Games, in brackets, how, how not to do a clean. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to remember CrossFit. Olympic lifting about, for idiots, a.k.a. the CrossFit a, Games. It's about finding your tribe, Mike. Yeah, that's true. It's not, it's not about exercise. It's about no. tribe building. Exactly. Your tribe could be full of dickheads. <laughs> Kelly's been doing yoga every day for, well, all of lockdown, essentially. Right. With uh, Adrienne, 
or Adrian, whatever her name is. Oh, who, yeah, yeah. She loves it. Who's Adrian? Oh, mate, she must have made a fucking killing. Yeah, she does YouTube yoga videos. If you think we're fleecing listeners, okay. get on Adrian, honestly. I don't, but yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I don't, nor do I. I think we've got to give value for money. Well, I'm free for most people anyway, so it's fine. But, um, Adrienne's Absolutely. free too, but you can buy T-shirts and they're they're you know this. I'm sure she's she's monetized it particularly. She's got millions and millions of people watching it. I can't keep a straight face. Like if if Kelly's doing it in front of me, I'm, I mean she's loving it. It was so good enough for her. Crack on. But I mean, so so many times that some really deep American can be like him. thumbs to third eye, engage with the earth, push into the earth, and just let that energy flow through your fingertips and just uh, be in touch with your core. <coughs> And just, just breathe in. Allow yourself to love yourself. And I thought, Jesus. It, it sounds like a premium rate phone call, but, but you know, but it just goes on for like an hour. Is it the more spiritual side of you? I just thought it was yoga. I didn't think it yeah, was the Yeah, like but it's like yoga. But like most people get into yoga, there's there's that meditational uh, aspect. You know, the dream catcher earrings will rear their ugly head at some point. <laughs> I occasionally do headspace to make to help me sleep. I get that app, yeah. I can't emphasise it. You really must relax. I can't emphasise that enough. <laughs> <laughs> Try to remember the breathing exercises for tape number one. <laughs> yeah, I've tried those laws. Those those. I always feel like a real prick to listen to those things. I can't get past that. I bought my sensei there, my um, golf pro, John Hastie. He's not my pro. He uh, recommended. What was the book he recommended to me? On Audible, hang on a second. I'll tell you what it was now. Do you know what? I went, I tried yoga. Right. Oh what a because surprise. it's like I'm made of fiberglass. Yeah. I am. I am. Inflexible. So inflexible. And I thought, well, I'll do yoga. I'll try and uh, loosen myself up a bit. Here we go. But it was one, it was one of the more spiritual ones. And I remember the, the lesson used to start at um, six o'clock. And I remember getting there at about six or two. Yeah. Stressed, and my theory for not losing my keys fuck, is fuck, that I've got, every, I've got every single possible key that I could ever have on the same key ring. And then my oh, theory is, it's I mean, then so big it's impossible to lose. Right. So it's about, my my keys are about the size of a sort of bowling ball. <laughs> and I remember I, <laughs> which ruins your ignition, by the way. Yes, that's true. Does it? Yeah. Oh no no, my car keys are on. Yeah, uh, good lad. Uh, on a different. Good lad. I can't stand a load of keys on, on a on a car key. That winds me. Why? Because it puts weight on the ignition barrel and wrecks the barrel. Didn't know that. No, you but, do. But uh, I remember, uh, I remember getting there a bit late, and she was already pissed off at me. And then I, I put my keys down on the wooden floor, and it, it did sound like I was playing free jazz. Mm. And she got so annoyed because she thought I was, I was affecting Deborah's concentration, <laughs> even though Deborah's like a. You know, a seventy-nine-year-old woman from Sydenham, and I don't think she's—I—I I, I don't think she's meditating. I think she's—I think she's trying to do a little bit of exercise. <laughs> she's got to enjoy now. I got, yeah, and I got—I got told—I got told off for it. She said, "You cannot drop get you the fuck drop out. keys like that." Oh, do you know what I would say? It would begin with sucking with a my stump. Mike was not invited back to week three. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that to my dear <laughs> yoga, yoga teacher. Well, you're never going to see her again. Why don't you suck my yeah, stump, Brenda? It sounds a bit like it sounds a bit like a hate crime. Mike. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not willing to conduct a hate crime. See if you can spot right which of the incongruous Audible books I've, I've downloaded here. Right. Okay. I read. I read all my Audible library. Parky, 
Michael Parkinson, right? <laughs> Brilliant start. That is superb. Toast on Toast by Stephen Toast. Uh, the Big Switch, which is Harry Turtle dove, it's an it's a alternative history in which uh, the, the Nazis do fairly well in the Second World War. Um, <laughs> fairly well. NFL Century, a bit long, but interesting. Blowing the Bloody Doors Off, Michael Caine. What Fresh Lunacy Is This, Oliver Reed. Roger Moore by Roger Moore. Is It Me by Terry Wogan. The Voice of Rugby, Bill McLaren. Over the Top and Back, Tom Jones. Absolute Pandemonium, Brian Blessed. The Idiot Brain by Friend of Ours, Dean Burnett. Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Don't bother, it's fucking rubbish. Alan Partridge, Nomad. Uh, the United States of Atlantis, another Harry Turtle Duff. When Pride Still Mattered about Vince Lombardi. But Enough About Me, Burt Reynolds. Foundation by Isaac Asimov and I Partridge by Steve Coogan. And then these, these purchases here, right, which don't really fit the narrative. Okay. The, the Power of Now. By Eckhart Tolle. Wow. The, What's that the about? Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And The Never Ending Present by Michael Barclay. Okay. Well, these are these new age bullshit. Like, like, you are so easy to buy for. Yes. Why is that? I reckon I could buy... <laughs> a, yeah, I reckon 100%. I could buy a hundred books Yes, and they would all be, thanks for that, Elle, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right Thanks, up my Thanks, Elle. Own. That's yeah. been on my list for a long time. Thanks, Elle. I loved that, but I've actually read it already. Yes. Thanks, Elle. I own that, but I've never read it. Yeah, th- those I are the only with, replies with, possible. With, well. with unnerving accuracy, I could <laughs> buy Christmas presents for you for the rest of your life. If Kelly's ever struggling, it'd be <laughs> so easy. Also, never buy me, because I've already got it. Um, Hypnotic Gastric Band by Paul McKenna. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically, he tells you like not to eat cakes. Yeah, <laughs> put the cake down. Put it down. The new age ones. What what were they about, and what were you trying to achieve? I'll play a bit of this, and this is this is. See if you can wonder why the, I didn't I didn't finish it. The power of now, a guide to spiritual enlightenment, by Eckhart Tolle. There was no more fear, and I let myself fall into that void. I have no recollection of what happened after that. I was awakened by the chirping of a bird outside the window. I had never heard such a sound before. Whenever well, you're a fucking bird. And I saw the image of a precious diamond. Yes, what? if a diamond could make a sound, this is what it would be like. I can't. I opened my eyes. The first light of dawn was filtering through the curtains. Jesus. Without any thought, I felt, I knew, that there's infinitely more to light than we realize. Yep. Without that soft luminosity filtering through the curtains was love itself. No, it wasn't. Right, oh. so there we go. I, Mike. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has Kelly left you? <laughs> <laughs> because the way it goes from Roger Moore's autobiography. Michael Caine, Roger Moore, <laughs> Oliver Reed, and that fucking bullshit there. <laughs> To that. To that, is it, it, it something happened? You've, you've either gone really mad and left Kelly, or Kelly Kelly has seen the light and left you. <laughs> and then, you know, I thought, this is bullshit. And then I downloaded another two in case I was wrong the first time. <laughs> the light filtering from the window was nothing but pure, unadulterated love. I only told you to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> is what the sort of stuff I wanted skip, to listen to. Skip. <laughs> Back to Partridge. Skip. <laughs> I don't know, I... I don't want to be uh, dismissive, critical, of okay. or dismissive of what f- floats some people's oh, boats. Oh no, you I crack mean, on if, if you're into that kind of stuff. Kelly loves I mean, it. I, 
I don't think it would float my particular boat. But if people get some sort of solace out of it. Whatever works, mate. Oh, the headspace ones work. Like, as in, I was doing it with one of the kids and I fell asleep on their floor. So it must work. Oh, yeah. And and that's what I wanted it for. Oh. And it's so so useful for you. Yeah. Here's a great tip for you. So I was filming the, the sitcom thing the other day. I had a great tip from uh, one of the actors on set. I might, I might mention his name later. But um, he was doing a thing with, I believe, Meryl Streep, of all people. Brilliant. Who gave him a tip about having a nap, like especially when you're on set. and you know. But this would work with anybody. Have a pencil nap, right? How good What's is this? What's a pencil nap? Well, you hold a pencil between your thumb and your forefinger, and you can just doze with your eyes closed holding the pencil. Yeah. As you begin to fall into a deeper sleep, you'll drop the pencil and it wakes you up. So you, if, you just you? Want to, if you just want to relax, apparently it works. Just want to relax and have a little 40 winks, just hold a pencil in your hand while you're doing it. I've fallen asleep holding a beer. And that's poured <laughs> all over me and I haven't woken yes. up. Yes, oh, yeah. me too, yeah. 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 If you're pissed, I mean, it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking the pencil dropping on the floor is not going to wake me up. I mean, I've, it's when you... In the back of Ritzy's. It's when you fall asleep with a pint. Yeah. And you spill the pint on your groin. Yeah. And you're not wearing very dark trousers. Yeah. It is so embarrassing. It is. I tell you what also works, and it does work. And it, you think it's an urban myth, and it is. My mate Nicky uh, used to get very, very drunk. So when we were in college, uh, he, he wasn't in college with us, but he was visiting. So we got very pissed uh, in the house to the point where you do the sort of juvenile stuff. I, I drawn on his forehead. Oh, classic. You know, and then I'd shave one of his eyebrows off for a funny jape as well. Oh, dear God. And then he was that pissed, I shaved his pubic hair off as well. And then took a photograph of it with my thumbs up next to it. It was quite funny. And that's where you've gone too far. <laughs> So I shaved his cock and balls. I shaved one eyebrow off. I'd drawn on his head. He's still asleep, right? He's still pissed. So then we thought, I wonder if that old that old wives' tale about putting a hand in warm water actually works, right? Yeah. So we got a bowl of warm water, put his hand in the warm water. I'd say within 30 seconds he'd pissed himself. Wow. And then we went to town. This was the best thing. Oh, my God. So we then we got a taxi ticket. <laughs> we got a taxi. Oh, you, you you literally mean went to town? I thought you were up oh, no, the ante on the We didn't get a town. Yeah, yeah. Then we, then we, uh, we set fire to him. It was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Pour some petrol on him. Uh, he, he got awful burns. It was fucking brilliant. Lord like, fucking Lord of the Flies. It was fucking great. Yeah, man. yeah. Like like life 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 faltering injuries. If he could Superb laugh, he would laugh. He was like, oh yeah. I mean, his parents were devastated. Then, but we, we had, it was then we went so out for a laugh funny. and kicked the tramp to death. Like, you know what I mean? Proper oh, fun, like oh, clean, clean fun. Oh, it was brilliant. 90s. Clean fun. 90s was different, though, wasn't it? It was different. It was visceral. It was real. Like, you know, it was none of these games. Like, no one was on the phones in those days, see? It was just fun like that. There was no Grand Theft Auto in them days. If you wanted to kill a prostitute, you just did, like. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> We took him to the Philharmonic. It was hilarious. And the bloke wasn't going to let us in, obviously, because he was So he's, he was he's, so he's pissed yeah. himself when he's trying, to get into the, oh. he's trying to get into the Philharmonic. We did get in. It was a Wednesday. It was a student night. They didn't Oh, care. it's Wednesday. Fine. Crack on. But as he changed his pants and Well, no, no. This is, the, this is the beauty of it, right? So Beauty is an interesting choice. Nothing so far has defined beauty. Beauty. I mean, I mean I'm not sure it's going to get mentioned in any art history degrees. I mean, it might have been under milk wood, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> So uh, he gets in the in the the toilet of the Philharmonic, Nick. Now, right? Yes. And sees his reflection, and I've got fuck off drawn on his forehead, and he's got one eyebrow, right? Right. And he goes, "You fucking." He's still pissed off. He goes, "You fucking bastard!" 
Oh, I I was laughing. Uh, my mate Byron was laughing, and and he's trying to have a piss. He's trying to get he's trying to get his Willie up to have a have a have a pee. I said, "Do you think that's bad?" <laughs> he gets his old boy out, and there it is. I completely shaved. Off. And what did he say to that? He was, he was nonplussed. I'm not sure we'd have got on prior to 2007 <laughs> no. when we met. They just do stupid stuff, didn't you? I was a very different person at sort of 23, 24 years of age. Than I, am but I think we all are, aren't we? That's why I was cut a bit of slack. When you see those idiots on the on the news, all breaking COVID rules, not going to drink and a laugh, you think, yeah. what was I doing when I was 20 years of age? Yes, well, yeah, I do think that. imagine, yeah. it's like... Of course you're doing that. Yeah, 20 to 30, so the year 2000 to 2010. If you'd lost a whole year of that, I've got fabulous memories of every year of that period. Yeah. And also... You think you're I mean, untouchable this, as well. Of you course do, you do. And, and you live in different houses with different people, yeah. often in different cities, so life comes at you fast. To lose out on that must oh, be a nightmare. Brutal. Absolutely. And brutal. also, I mean, this is still relevant to me, to lose one of your hot years... Still yeah. relevant today. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely gutted about that. Well, I should be out, you know, out on the town. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, now. Turning or heads. No, no, now. Now. Oh, no. Okay. Stomachs or yeah. heads. Either one. <laughs> Think of all the people who've missed out. Think of all the people in pubs who've missed out. In the I mean, big smoke walk, as well. Walk, well. Yeah, just walking in. Yeah, I should say so. Who's he? That's thousands. That's hundreds Look of thousands. Look that. Who's that guy in a cycling helmet in the high face? <laughs> if, we shine, if we shine our phone torches on him, it bounces back at us. Yeah. Spaceman. God, his thighs are too big for the rest of his body. God, he's short, but he's got a nice bum. <laughs> <laughs> he's very yeah. well stuck, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I get told that quite often yeah. on Twitter. You are, you are very Welsh looking. You are. One bloke, one bloke tweeted to me once and said... Um, I used to think Dean Saunders was the Welshest looking bloke alive, but it's you actually. Yeah. That was, I mean, that's not a bad thing to be, is it? No, it's just funny that I could sum up an entire. But I see those people, and I think country I was people. talking this to my dad about it, and they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. But I would be but, doing exactly the same thing. Exactly, one hundred percent. I would be doing exactly the same thing. Like Al said, you've had a year of doing nothing at all. The prime of your life. When this started, my son was—he just turned one. Yeah. And his sleep was all over the shop. And if that year, the year we've just had, had been free of COVID, my year wouldn't actually have been that different. <laughs> because... <laughs> You'd been up at a stupid hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'd have worked and that would have been it, really. I, I might have... Well, I, I probably would have gone to the Euros last year. Yeah, I definitely would have done that. But it would have been stressful for Izzy and, you know... Whereas if 25, yeah. bloody hell. Woof. Oh Out every Saturday night. Especially if you're paying nine grand a year and getting into debt and you're away from home for the first time, then you've got to stay in your room for a year. You know, obviously, there's people, obviously there's people worse off. I'm not, you know, but but I, do, I do think, oh, poor bastards. You know, because that oh, is... absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's really Until there's age. people dying. Yeah, I know, I know there's people dying. I'm not... And that's really bad. I'm not, I'm not disputing that people die, and obviously dying is worse, right? The two things aren't but mutually exclusive. When you're 18 years of age, that, no. And also, I think if you really think back to how you were when you were 18 or 23 or 26, yeah, without some sort of, without an element of sympathy for the people who are that age now, yes, then you haven't. You either had a terrible time, yeah, exactly, which is possible, yeah, perfectly reasonable or plausible or or you just can't remember what you were like yeah 
Because even if you weren't in uni, you'd have been like I didn't go to uni until I was twenty-two. But when I was eighteen, like I was getting my first pay packet. I was coming home. For, I, I was going every Friday after work. We were going out into town every Saturday. I was going out. Oh, I was standing there hoping girls would notice me, then going home. It was amazing. It was good, oh, great. Lovely. <laughs> I was doing so much oh. standing. Standing there with your chicken and chips, waiting for a taxi. <laughs> oh, do you know, when I was eighteen, that's what I was doing. Oh. Right, I was, I was getting. My dad would drop me into town for play play the Cardiff Youth, right? Yeah. So this is from like September to April. Eighteen years of age. Get into town. Drop me at the Arms Park if you were home. Get changed in the Athletic Club. We'd either play a home game at the Arms Park or over on Spy Gardens. We'd win because we won every week. Then we'd go and have a nice shower. Put your number ones on, as we talked about last week. A nice shower. <laughs> I, I love a nice shower after a game of rugby. It's lovely, isn't it? a nice shower. Yeah, lovely, nice shower. Because you play for shit clubs. Like, No, I don't mean shit clubs. I love Barry Rugby Club, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clubs with no money, I mean. And you, the the showers were crap, you know. There was like a dribble of water. But in, in, when you play for Cardiff, the showers are nice, right? So, have a nice shower, t- you know. Talc off, get your get your dupe on, put your number ones on, have a sing song in the club. I always led the singing because it was all the chairman loved me doing a bit of Elvis. I do about five or six Elvis songs. You love a big sing song. Eat your free food. Talk to talk to the blokes you just played rugby against. Then we'd be out. Shave people's eyebrows off. Shave people's pubic region. That was after that, though. Put things up my teammates' bums. <laughs> That's the Raljex, Gary. Right, that was yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved it. And then at the end of the night, got a wimpy, get my burgers, get in the taxi queue, <laughs> go back to Barry. Lovely. No mortgage, no bills. No, fucking hell. Absolutely not a care in the world. I saw some amazing bands when I was that age. I saw the Strokes in... The upstairs room of Club Iverbach when I was 21 or 22. About 150 people. Yeah. yeah. I bought the last ticket from Spillers. Nice. That's amazing. Actually, and Spillers said that's the last one. See? And it was incredible. Oof. And that was when I was, you know, what would that have been, 2002 or something, so 21 probably. Yeah. They all got carried around club on people's shoulders. Beautiful. Because of a stage invasion. It was amazing. Well, those kids have had none of that. They've had no gigs. They've had no nothing. They've had- what would you have done with your time then if you were 21 and you wouldn't be able to do anything? Wow. Well, there was nothing to do. This is the thing. There was no game in. There would have been no... Christ. What would you do? What would you do? There was no 24-hour TV. Have... There was no internet. There was no mobile I I... phones. I don't think I had a mobile phone when I was 21, no. Oh, no way. Did I, I did. not mobile phone until I was 27. I mean, I know what I'd have done now. I just would have... Like all members of Gen Z, I would have, I'd have WhatsApped my pals lots of gifts for a year. I'd just be watching porn non-stop. <laughs> Yeah, well, I would be. I think no you point, would. No, I think no you would have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, would it be? Back to back. Bringing myself to near orgasm for about nine hours and then finally ejaculating and going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you have such a skewed... You have such a skewed view of sex after 12 minutes. Cooking, you, cooking your tinned ravioli, trying not to climax. Don't eat. <laughs> I used to know a guy. What? And he, used, he, he was such a... Uh, Extravagant masturbator. <laughs> I beat him. Go on. He would do. He would do that, and then he'd he'd break off halfway through and cook quite an elaborate meal. Beautiful. <laughs> and then, and then go so, back to. The well, show. yeah. I, do you know what? Because people, when people would like to get over with quickly, it's just, it's the same argument that I have about Test cricket and the NFL. <laughs> 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 the, the I can't wait flow. till you're on TMS. No, if I'm enjoying oh. something, why would I want it to finish? Aggers. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I've always been a 2020 man myself. Oh, man. Double overtime NFL game. 
<laughs> playoff yeah, NFL where there's no overtime just keeps going. I'm more into the short formats. You want to keep going until you you got your your balls physically ache. You just doubled up in pain. <laughs> Oh my god! And Great then you days. do that every day for twelve months until <laughs> the government until says in the second year. <laughs> the government says you can stop masturbating. Praying every day, praying every day that they won't find a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> How was it, Mike? It was the best year of my life. It was the best of times. It was the best of times. <laughs> oh. So I managed to uh, scrape a third. So. Uh... <laughs> But well, that's what I would be. But that wouldn't have been an option back then, would it? Ninety ninety four, that wasn't happening. Well, it would. Well, no, but you couldn't. You were, there wasn't. You know, I could go through all my old club internationals and my and my razzles. Yeah, and that, but, a lot of video action. You'd be fine. Yeah, living with mum and dad though. No, are you kidding? You've seen the videos back in the day. Your VHS. Oh, awful! Horrible, grainy. You know, strobing, bloody, multiple copied VHSs from some dodgy bloke. Who lives on an estate somewhere usually? <laughs> we give you like these VHSs in a bag. No, thank you. And it's always German. It was always like some stuff like cut a climax nonsense they got from over the continent. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Way too much hair everywhere. <clears throat> yeah. Not for me. Not for me. <laughs> good, good. I'll stick no, no. to my tried and <laughs> no, thank you. British pornography, please. <laughs> There's one thing that is good about yeah. having Brexit. <laughs> We gave it is this. that we have put the borders up on that sort of <laughs> pornography. We give this planet an empire. We gave this planet the game of football. And we gave this planet good old-fashioned watchable pornography. <laughs> Gillian, the baked beans, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to extra overs. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I'm not saying this. Get your, yeah. get your jabs done. No, oh, absolutely. Cut yeah, the youngsters yeah. a bit of slack. But if you're a youngster listening to this, <clears> don't be a dildo. Just pick your fucking rubbish up at least. Yes. Don't hug your oh, nan yeah. and pick up your rubbish. So if you're taking anything from this intro, have a jab. Yeah. If you're a mean person to the youngsters, stop it. Let yeah. them have fun. If you're yeah. a youngster, don't be a dildo. Yeah. And stop watching German porn. Yeah. And those are the five things you need to take. That's like the bloody five pillars of, you know, I was going to say a religion, but let's just pick my own before I offend everybody of that religion. <laughs> I picked up my rubbish when I was young. I've always, I've never, always picked I've my never, rubbish I've never, never, ever been a litterer. Nor me. Because I'm, I'm not a dildo. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I would ever think of leaving it's stuff. so rude, isn't it? It's just it's saying to somebody yeah. else, that's your job, mate. Like yeah. I said, I, I, I tidy up before the cleaner gets here. And I feel guilty about having a cleaner. I certainly, I certainly don't want to clean my rubbish up. I wouldn't have shown no. anybody. I'd clean all my own rubbish. <laughs> Least of all the person I paid to do it. I know. I was down, we were in the cinema the once, I just started seeing Kelly. Oh, my dad again. Go away, dad. I'm talking to someone. Sorry, he's probably having a heart attack, but if he is. <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth checking. He's had a good in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the cinema with Kelly, we were on the way in, and there's a lad about 18, 19, drinking one of those massive, uh, you know, the pop in the, in the paper cups, you know, about 10 yards in front of me. Finished it and just dropped it on the floor, kept walking. Really? I said, look at this. And, and Kelly said, oh, don't, don't say anything. I said, no, 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 no. So no, I just no, picked no, it up. No, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't a prick about it. I picked it up 
I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, excuse me, pal. I said, uh, you dropped this? He went, oh, sorry, I'd make this empty. I said, yeah, I know that. Put it in the fucking bin then. And he was, he took it, he did it, mind. He, he did put it in the bin. But I thought, why the fuck? What's going through your brain to do that? I don't get it. What my dad would say is he'd say, uh, if he saw me saying that, if he saw me doing that, he'd say, you weren't, I brought you up, I didn't drag you up. Yes. Oh, I've got to speak to my dad, it looks like, I think he's having that attack right there, one sec. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Oh, I do apologise, that's my dad, absolutely smashed drunk with my with my Auntie Christine, so it's all good, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Youngster. Auntie Christine, he's working, it's half past nine at night. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Auntie Chris. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't work in a shoe shop, okay? That is why <laughs> I am. <laughs> Never mind. There's me thinking he's having a flipping heart attack. And really, he's just inebriated with his sister. Oh. Brilliant. Speaking about never growing up, he's 76 year old man. Yeah. Auntie he's Chris is you pissed. Yeah. Massive role reversal going on. And by the way, before the do-gooders get involved, they are socially distanced and they've had the jab, so. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. First round of clips for this week, then, gents. Uh, uh, Ellis, you go first this week. This is Alex Scott giving as good as she gets with Jamie Carragher. Remember those days? <laughs> Jamie, you couldn't even name top five women's players, so don't tell me you watched hey, me play. I've got the number I'm one. I've got the number one. <laughs> <laughs> the number one in CBS. <laughs> All right, listen. Really. You know me, 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 a ham. Me, a ham. How old are you? Oh, there top you go. Please, the Americans. Well oh done. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you've got to keep your know your audience, Alex. <laughs> so I just thought with the the actual assist from Reese James, you've been obviously a fullback uh, yourself, but I was just wondering when he got down the side and he put that cross in. You know, it just reminded me of maybe, you know, Lucy Bronze at her best, you know, when she was playing right back, or Chris, Christine Rapome as well, and uh, Brandy Chastain as well. You know, these women footballers, very similar when he, he struck that ball in. Jamie, have you remembered his name today? Toddy, has Toddy been helping you out there? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I've got more if you want them. <laughs> Go on, keep it going, keep Wendy it going. Reynard. I want to hear it, I love Wendy it. Wendy Reynard. Oh, yeah. And Buchanan. Great defender for what, what France. Set, my favourite centre-back Buchanan. is actually uh, Buchanan. Right, now then, the reason I've chosen this clip, I've been wanting to do an Alex Scott clip since mid-March because The Athletic wrote a very, very interesting profile of her. And it was a really good read and I found out a lot of stuff about her that I didn't know. 
So I thought, oh, great, I'll do, um, I'll do an Alex Scott clip. And the reason I've decided to do it today is that today it was announced that she is going to be the new presenter of Football Focus, uh, replacing Dan Walker, who's been there for 12 years. And as you can imagine, her social media has been an unreadable uh, mess of the grimly inevitable sexist, misogynist, racist abuse. Yes. All women who work in sport, but particularly football and particularly her, are subjected to. Now, just because I'm intrigued by this kind of stuff, I looked at the article uh, about her appointment to the role um, on the Daily Mail website and I read some of the comments and the comments were exactly what you would imagine. Um, and I thought, OK, well, I'll, I'll, I'll counter this, I'll, all of the divs, and I'll choose the winner she scored in the UEFA Champions League final because she was, she's won the Champions League final, yeah. she's won five Premier League titles, she's won seven FA Cups, 140 caps for England, and an MBE, right? So she clearly yeah, knows the game. Yeah. Right, now that, that, that is undeniable. Yes. Mm. Uh, Dan Walker never plays at the highest level. That's my favourite bit about it. At the highest yeah. level. She hasn't played at the highest level. Um, St- yeah, Steve Ryder's yeah. never played at the high, highest level. <laughs> Um, you know, Jim Rosenthal never plays at the highest Tony level. Gubber. I could, I could go on. I could go on. I could go on. People say, well, she's she she hasn't played at the highest level because it's it's not as high a standard as the men's game. <laughs> so seemingly winning the Champions League and playing in World Cups, getting under forty caps, caps for England and mm. the, the FA Cups and the Premier Leagues and all that kind of stuff. That's seemingly not enough. Yeah. So I thought, all right then, I'll 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 choose. Uh, the the goal she scores in the, in in the final because it's an absolute screamer as well. But it I is. thought, why? Why would you do that? Because that's not going to be good enough anyway. If you're that kind of dick, you'll you'll say that the defending is naive or that the goalkeeper should have done better. Yeah. Or all of that kind of crap. And I thought she's on there to present because she's a very good pundit. Yeah. She also has a degree in professional sports writing and broadcasting from Staffordshire University, which... She's like the have. most qualified person in Britain. <laughs> she, she, she finished at the 2015 World Cup. So, she whoa. submitted a dissertation the day of England's opening game against France. So, so she does a dissertation and then England get to the semi-finals and come third in the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Literally so, the only controversial thing is this didn't happen about five years ago. <laughs> yeah. So she's got she's got a degree in sports writing and broadcasting, and she played the highest level. You know, she 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 achieved all there is to achieve. Really, well, she, I mean, England haven't won a world but cup. She didn't I mean, have a penis, so <laughs> yeah. come on. But then I thought she so we sitting that? down. So that's the relevant bit. I th- yeah. <laughs> so do I. I thought actually, do you know what? I'm I'm not going to choose one of her goals. Yeah. I'm going to choose her being really really good on the telly. Because yeah. that's what she's, she's there great for. on the TV. <laughs> I love this because she's ripping the piss out of Jamie Carragher for not knowing enough female footballers, and it's so funny and it's so charming. And I personally couldn't be happier that she's going to present Football Focus because she'd be really good at it. And I read this article, and Chris Kamara made an interesting point because not only is she a woman, obviously she's a woman of colour. And Chris Kamara was saying, you know, I started on the telly in like 1998. So it was before most people had a mobile phone, yeah. it was before social media. He doesn't think that he would have lasted. Really? Because the thing with Kamara 
is he didn't have a particularly glittering no. footballing career. He played for Swindon, he played for Middlesbrough, played for Sheffield United. He certainly never got anywhere near the England team. But the thing with Kamara is he is good value on the telly. Yeah, I mean, great. that gaff where that, you know, that person got sent off and he hadn't realised. I mean, that sort of, that helped in a way that could have really hindered him, actually. But he, he gets around in such a charming way. He's now very much a fixture on yeah. the screens. I think people really like Chris Kamara. This article, I read it a couple of times. I, I, was, I just became more and more impressed with her the more I read it. So she's been at Arsenal since she was eight. So she started playing uh, football as a young girl and her brother's team were playing in a competition and one of the boys dropped out. So they asked her to play. And she had a really good game and Arsenal, then they picked her up. So she was at Highbury from the age of eight. And the women's team coach was always trying to not instill, but involve the girls, you know, the, the young girls team in the machine at Arsenal. So she was cleaning boots and Mark Overmars gave her a pair of boots and she didn't have the confidence to wear them. And her father left when she was seven. So, you know, she's she's had to do it the hard way. So God, she went what an impressive she was, person. But well, I mean, she was playing in in America and then the league collapsed. So then she came back. So she had been professional, then she had to stop being professional for a bit. And she basically, she was training on her own. So she would have a heart monitor, she would tie a dog to a goalpost, and she was just running laps, her and her teammate, to try and keep fit. You know, you've, th- there's, there was no easy way of doing this. Well, Don's criticising her, right? Yeah. If you broke down her life into every facet of her life, there's not a single facet of her life that they would be able to outdo her in. Yeah, at absolutely. all, not one, not fucking one of them. If if you subscribe to the Athletic, do read the article hmm. because I was agog, and you just think, Christ! I mean, she's one of life's winners. So a few of the people who who were interviewed say, from day one, she will grab every opportunity with both hands, and not only was she just on as a pundit, but she was also fascinated by how the gallery worked, yeah, and by how, you know, the presenters were having stuff fed into their ear, how that worked. Because she knew that her future lay in broadcasting. Mm. And because she's a female pundit, she has to work harder than a lot of her male counterparts. Yeah. If she fucks up, she'll get absolutely crucified for it. Yes. So she has done her homework, you know, especially working with Iwan and Dani. I've seen how hard pundits work these days. And I think a lot of the older ones who are being weeded out a little bit, I very much doubt that they are turning up to some of these games with a load of notes mm. written and, you know, highlighter pens, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not There's sure. There's no bad but thing. The, but the, <laughs> but the, young, the, the, young, the younger lot really do the graft. And I think for Alex Scott, because she sees herself as a role model, because mm. she's the first female pundit to cover the men's game, mm-hmm. you know, she went out to the World Cup in 2018. She has to work harder than the, the men. I'd like to think I try and treat people equally, right? Yeah. Because there are so many decades around who don't, who don't see past the fact that they're female, right? What the the dickheads are doing, yeah, by criticising people just for being a woman, is they're not focusing on on the on the job they're doing. I can criticise someone, for example, doing a rugby commentary who's yes. a female, right? And there might be a, there might be a male and a female on a uh, a commentating team, and I can I can criticise the level of commentary, right? Which I did fairly recently on on Channel Five when they had the rugby, and I thought it was, I thought it was a poor product, and I mentioned it. Okay, I shouldn't, and maybe I should have bitten my tongue. Because you can't help but look like a knob then, right? Okay, so you're criticising the commentary, but that gets yeah. taken as you're criticising a People woman. People extrapolate from that then. Right, I'm with you. You know, 
women, women and, and men are rightly angry about the way things have been skewed so much in one direction for fucking 100 years. Yeah. Jump on, jump on your back and call you a sexist. But I, like, I like to think I'm not, right? So, so that happens. Yeah. And then dickheads who are sexists will jump to your defence. Oh, right, for, okay. Not for the, I hadn't even thought for all the wrong re For all the wrong reasons. Yeah. They're never there saying, you know, they're never saying, oh, Mike was talking about the, the commentary on one particular game. They always jump down the, yeah, what, what have they ever done in the game, though? They, they also they also <laughs> have the women's game. Like, oh, fuck off, mate. I, I, that, that's not what I'm saying. Yes. Like, with Alex, I think she's absolutely brilliant. I've, and I've seen her doing, I've seen her on kids' TV. I've seen, yeah. her, I've seen her doing live football. Yeah. I've seen her in the studio. And she's done the one show. Oh, and she's she, bloody brilliant. I mean, she makes it look so easy. It's ridiculous, right? She's tremendously warm and engaging. I mean, she, and she just... She just looks brilliant on telly. I mean, she's she's a natural. Yeah. She's a complete natural. I mean, I read the... Oh God, it's, it's such an awful thing to say, but she's had death threats, she's had rape oh, threats, Christ, all so of that kind of stuff. Yeah. The stuff that is grimly inevitable, but then you see it and you think, Christ, imagine having to deal with that every time you turn on your phone. The, 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 the Daily Mail comment. That just made me shake my head well, because this one bloke saying, "Oh, I can't, I can't handle this. The women's game is being shoved down my throat." <laughs> now, where, where, Wales, the Welsh women played Denmark last night. It's shoved down was my it, throat. Wasn't was, was even on oh, telly. Was it? I was going to say, could yeah. Watch it on, you could watch it on iPlayer. It is so easy to avoid the women's game if you want to. The idea that oh, it's hilarious. shoved down your throat is just so absurd. That's brilliant. And so Wales have a, the Welsh women have a new manager, Gemma Granger, who was a real coup. The FAW's done brilliantly to get her. And I'm really hopeful that with this group of players and with Gemma Granger in charge, they can qualify for a major tournament because that would be absolutely huge for the women's game in Wales. So they mm. lost to Canada, where I think they're eighth in the world on Friday night, and then they drew one over Denmark, or fourteenth in the world. We're a very good side, Denmark. And Jess Fishlock scored a goal. I know Steph retweeted. I retweeted it as well. It's an absolutely fantastic move. It's a That's great beautiful. goal. It's a really good goal. It is such a good goal, but it certainly wasn't rammed down my throat. The other thing, the Daily Mail comment that made me laugh. He was like, "Oh well, you know, what the BBC got to understand is you you go walk." And you and oh, and you go off. broke, right? So so what what I think we should all do is I think we should all stop watching football focus and then when they realise that ratings have plummeted through the bloody floor, then then they'll then they'll realise and then they'll stop it from being the presenter. I thought, all right then. Say that happens. Yeah. What do you win? Yeah. Have you gained by that? <laughs> what what's the end game for that? What, what, what what's the outcome you want? That they bring back Dan Walker, or they ask Ray Stubbs to do it again. What, what, what is it that you want? Yeah. Or they get Jason Mohammed or whoever, well, no, you, or Mark Chapman. The end game. What is yeah, the end game? There is they want that show cancelled. They want less entertainment yeah. on telly. <laughs> how do you win? But when I read those things, mate, I what I I'm always struck with. You must live alone. You must live alone <laughs> because if if imagine yeah, being yeah. married or be, or living with a prick like that. Who's basically undermining you by proxy in every fucking second they draw breath? I just think, my God, you sad fucking <laughs> loser! It's so fucking it's a sad, sad thing, isn't it? It's a tragic twat. Well, they can't run their thought processes past anybody, can they? 
before they no, are public. School, yeah, no, exactly. I think we should all boycott football focus. Just stop boycotting football. It's focus. not even the women's game. It reminds me of the sort of when you think of, the, of that awful sort of like I said, the seventies can go either way, right? But when you think of like some in the bad seventies, like on the buses, right? Yeah, yeah. And you see like a hen-pecked woman in an apron who hasn't got a job and doesn't go out, and she's basically a doormat, right? And that was awful, right? But those those blokes existed, you know, and, and those women were stuck in those situations. And you'd like to think, my God, thank God, there's nothing like that these days. Yeah. And then you see wankers like that and think, I bet, I bet they look at on the buses and think, oh, bloody good yeah. old days. Let's have a pecker like a fucking walnut whip. It's just so I did. I I watched clips of. I mean, this speaks volumes, really. There's not an enormous amount of footage of her on YouTube. Yeah. Um, of her playing career, which, when you consider the playing career she had, speaks volumes. So I I interviewed yeah. Laura McAllister the day before yesterday. Now, now Laura is trying to be UEFA's. She's trying to become elected as UEFA's representative on the FIFA Council. Right. So she'd be the first. British woman yeah. to be on the FIFA Council. Yeah. What sets Laura apart is from lots of people, you know, who try and go for those kinds of jobs, is that she played the game. She yeah. she was Welsh captain. She was captain of the women's team in the nineties. She had to lobby Alan Evans, who was secretary of the FAW, the Football Association of Wales, in nineteen ninety two for the women's team to be recognised because before that it was it was unofficial. Yeah. And then she she got twenty four caps for Wales in the nineties. Now when she is lobbying the associations of other UEFA countries or when she was writing her manifesto when she's trying to promote her campaign some whoever she who she who's doing the campaign with her said well let's get some footage of you playing for us yeah. in the 90s yeah. and there is no, none this is the thing it's just still yes. do you know why didn't you there it's been is rammed on that bloke's throat yeah exactly yeah, move it back out of that bloke's stomach <laughs> it doesn't exist isn't, isn't that amazing she she played in every the 20 the period of time when she got her 24 caps God. that was every game Wales played in that period so she was you know she didn't miss a, a game it's like between 94 and 2002 i think 94 was when she made her debut no no footage at all the bbc went down there swasi went yeah. down there yeah no one is down there with a video camera. I got footage of the Barron District final from 1987. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know, and the 15s. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It is. Because that was the thing with, with Alex. Like, Alex was a right back. So she didn't score an enormous amount of goals. I think she scored something like 12 goals in 140 games for England. The goal she scores in the Champions League final for Arsenal, yeah. the winner, I did find it eventually on Twitter. Right. But it's not on YouTube. Or oh, I couldn't find it on right, YouTube. Right, okay. Can you imagine the 2007... It's not exactly overkill, is yeah, it? Yeah, the 2007 Champions League final. Having to really having to really search to find the goals in that. I mean, it, it would take you seconds to find. What I like about this clip is that Jamie is acknowledging Alex's point that he doesn't know enough about women's football and he can't name enough yes. women's footballers. But he's not doing it in a defensive way. He's not yeah, listening absolutely. off all these people yeah, going, yeah. well, actually, you think, oh, I think if I know these people. He's going, here's some list of names that I've been given, and this is quite funny now, because now I'm going to give you a list of names, yeah. but I get your point that I don't know enough. I think this might have been an interview I did with him, actually, but Robbie Savage was saying that he sometimes feels embarrassed that he didn't win enough. Yeah. So he was doing... Ah, yes. On the, it's either on the Euros or the World Cup, isn't it's it? It's the Euros, yeah. And he's alongside Clarence Seedorf, who has won it all. Yeah. 
and he's alongside someone else, someone like Thierry Henry. I think it was. Who has won it all. And then it's Robbie Savage, 1998, Worthington Cup final. Or whatever, whatever it is Robbie won. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I don't think anyone says about Robbie Savage or, or Chris Camaro, well... They were better top. players. Yeah, exactly. Like Chris Sutton, people like that. They don't go, oh, well, come on. Well, just for a woman to be doing that job that, you know, Tony Gubb has done in the past, you, you've got to be the best footballer in the country hmm. and have a degree in writing yeah, and broadcasting about yeah, no, you're about right. Football. That is, yeah. And then, and then, if you do get a break, someone will say, well, you, you, you're not qualified. I'd rather watch no football focus than you be on it. Well, that I will tells not you enjoy this. Well, that tells you everything I about yourself. I will not mate. turn it off, kids. Turn it off. We're yeah. not watching this. You, you love that? football, Dad. We're going to vote with our feet. Football. Turn it off. Turn it off. We are boycotting this. Let me Where's Mum? She's upstairs crying again, Dad. She hates you. <laughs> Rob Savage won the league. <laughs> she wants <cup> to go. <laughs> in 2000 and got to the final in 1999. Well, when he won the FA Youth Cup with Man United. There we go. Class of 92. <laughs> Sorry, Robbie. I'm, but again, you know, Robbie's got, what is it, 40, 39 caps for Wales. It doesn't matter. It, it wouldn't matter if he had one cap. It wouldn't matter if Alex had no, if one cap it, or no caps. Yeah, because Dan how Walker good you that hasn't job? got any fucking caps. No, exactly. exactly. Dan's a fantastic TV presenter. What's Susie's last name who did the MotoGP? Oh, um, Perry. Susie Perry. Yeah. I, said, I thought she was brilliant. And she was great. great all the riders loved her. She was great in the pit lane. Yeah. She knew all the crews. She knew everybody in the, every team. She was yeah. fabulous on that. She was she was absolutely brilliant. Exactly. You know, she's never raced a MotoGP bike. 100% she Claire Borden hasn't difference. played top-level rugby league, has she? Jeff Stelling didn't. Mark no. Chapman didn't. Dan exactly. Walker didn't. Jake Humphrey didn't. Colin Dickie, Murray Dickie didn't. Davis Richard didn't. Keys, Jim Rosenthal. She, she can't win. You have to realise that Twitter isn't real life. I listened to a podcast about the American election and the Democrats turned off Twitter because they were like, it will completely skew your view of America if you just look at Twitter. Yeah, that's interesting. So in the Dem- Democratic um, Party, in the campaign office, yeah. they had a no Twitter rule. I think there's an awful lot to say about that, actually, because I think it can completely skew your vision of society. Either way, because yes. you're either... Well, you'll just end up seeing the people that are in your... Twitter feed, complete echo chamber. That's what they say. Well, it's an echo chamber, or you just get people replying. Do you think you're a dickhead? I was. Uh, I mean, we've we've had it on Five Live, and um, <laughs> it's funny how angry some people are. But then they're not angry with me for my gender. They're angry with me because they think I'm shit. On the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's different. It's a different but thing. But that is different. Yeah, it is different. They're not angry with me for being a man. They're angry no. with me for, you know, polluting their favourite radio station with bad content. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just give Adrian Charles another hour. <laughs> Don't understand, dear BBC. Yeah. Move the film review forward. You can, give you can Mark just get and Simon rid of this. another Mark half and Simon hour. have another half hour. Yeah, give yeah. Charles another hour to finish off what he's almost, doing. Almost everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, Mike, what is your clip for this round? Right, this, uh, this is a clip of Gaza playing for Rangers back in the day, about 94, I guess, 94, 95, um, with a referee 
called Dougie Smith. Or Do- I don't know if he offers himself Doogie, or as in uh, Doogie Donnelly, but Dougie Smith. Doogie Hauser. Or Doogie Hauser MD, uh, you know, who now, of course, is in um, Series of Unfortunate Events, playing Count Olaf. Really? Too young to be a doctor. <laughs> I mean, I know that was the point, but... But was- Dougie Smith, this, this is Dougie Smith having a, an extreme sense of humour failure in a Rangers game back in the 90s. For sure to have scored, you know, thought. Well, the first time effort, carrying a yellow card, which must have been dropped by the referee. <laughs> so Gascoigne shows the yellow card to Douglas Smith. Well, I have to say, I think there's a little lack of humour there. I can't really understand that. It was a light-hearted moment, and I really could see no disrespect or short descent there, Gordon Jury making the point, but Gascoigne remarkably has been booked I love Paul Gascoigne anyway and people who, who know anything about Paul Gascoigne will know uh, that he is essentially a child in a man's body, right? Yeah. I think this is so innocuous and, and so this is one of the worst refereeing decisions I've ever seen I love it. And I think yeah. some referees are just absolute wankers, and this bloke is one of those absolute wankers of a referee. You get into refereeing for all the wrong reasons, right? What law of the game is he broken? Oh, oh fuck no! Dissent, I imagine. Yeah. Dissent. Yeah. So if you if you're not if you're not watching the clip, and it's only a fifty second clip, builds on the Gordon Strachan clip we picked last week when Wenger got carded for kicking a wa- empty water bottle by the fourth official, right? Prick. So this one. He's dropped his card. The referee has dropped his yellow card on the floor. Yes. Gaz has picked it up for him. Yeah. Gaz has then jogged probably 30 or 40 yards to give him his card back. Yeah. Right? As a joke when he gets there, for dropping the card, Gaz shows him the yellow card he's dropped. Everyone has a bit of a laugh. The commentators have a bit of a laugh about it. The, the, the opposition seem to quite enjoy it. He then takes the card off Gaza and then shows him the card and yellow cards him for dissent. <laughs> yeah. It is, it, honest to God, I mean... We talk about refereeing decisions where you've missed obvious fouls or, or that you, you, someone's patently biased. This is worse than all of that. I'm like, you you small-minded little fuck. Yeah. What is going through your mind? How, how, how bad has your day been, mate, that, that you're going to give somebody a yellow card for that? He's not missed a minor offside. It's it's not like the ball's crossed the line and he hasn't given it. Yeah. It, it is unbelievable that he gets booked for this. It's brilliant. It's just unbelievably poor sportsmanship by the referee. So... And I, I, I Google a bit about it afterwards, and there was some referee there talking about, you know, Scottish referee. There was a bit of a, a recruiting crisis with, with Scottish referees in the 90s, and oh, I suppose there still is. There is a cross football with a lot, and with yeah. a lot of sports. Because officials get a lot of abuse. And it's wankers like this are the reason they get abuse, right? So, and they were saying that on that night, he was supposed to turn up for the local, I think he's in, he was in the Ayrshire Refereeing Society, but he obviously he, and, and worked for the Scottish Premier League as well. He was supposed to turn up that night, and he didn't. And, and this bloke was saying, oh, he, he was involved in a controversial decision earlier where, where he'd, um, he'd shown uh, Paul Gascoigne a yellow card. Um, it wasn't controversial, but it, just sh- it should never have happened. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he had to miss out on the referee in, the Ayrshire Referee Society's 10-pin bowling night. <laughs> I thought, what a fucking <laughs> scream that must have been. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> There's your room one-on-one, mate. Right there. <laughs> I've refereed, right, and I've and I've and I've I've had plenty of run-ins with referees over the years as well. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been both sides of the whistle, right, and I've been sent off on numerous occasions. I've been yellow carded on numerous occasions, and I haven't set a lot of kids off or, or adults off when I've been refereeing. 
Yeah. Um, but it is a tough job, and it is a pretty thankless job most of the time. But do you know what I mean? Do, do, I watch this, and Gaza sort of walks off giggling and laughing and thinking. Yeah. He, he's patently embarrassed about it. He looks the rest of the Rangers players look incensed. Yeah, Gordon Dewey cannot believe what he's just seen. Well, their team can't believe it either. The other side's like, what? You know, and, and the commentators like, I think that's a bit, you know, that's a bit, that's a bit, that's a bit much. The referee needs to remember that football is part of the entertainment business. Football is entertainment. That's what it's there for. Why are you doing it? I read Steve Bruce's book once, and he he would he would beg to differ with you. He he, he finds that football is becoming too entertaining. Oh, uh, I'm sure he does. Fa- the famous. Yeah. Too much fun. Difficult to believe from a Steve Bruce team. Oh, it I is must hard admit. to believe that. So if you funny. think that Newcastle this year have been too entertaining. Too much fun, guys. <laughs> wow. It's, it's that famous uh, Alan Durban quote, who was from Cardiff. Uh, if you yes. want entertainment, go and watch clowns. But, the, but they're not. Well, that's wrong on every level. Because clowns are shit. Yeah. Clowns are shit and scary. I'd rather watch Newcastle than watch clowns. But with Gaza, <laughs> ima- imagine if he'd been booked... Then for something ten minutes later means sent off. Exactly. And one of those one of those bookings is for showing the showing yeah. the ref a yellow card. His yellow card that he's dropped that you've picked up yeah. for him and given back to him. <laughs> you know I mean? He hasn't nicked it out of your pocket and thrown it at you for a laugh, at Gaza style. He's picked up your card you dropped. Yeah, that's, that's like something you would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been sent. Yeah, I've been sent off. Gosh, loads of times. I was a real prick on the pitch. You know how um, on the telly now they've got Mark Clattenburg on the TV to explain referees' decisions. Yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah. is from, from the NFL and the great idea. But I'd have to see him go, well, yeah, well. if I was refereeing, I'd have to do the same. It's such a closed shop, right? They're, they're, they're so insular and it's such a closed shop and they're so fragile. Yeah. I know there's a recruiting crisis with it, right? Well, then, if there's a recruiting crisis, mate, like there isn't any other, you know, profession, pay people more money. You know, just make it a more, you know, financially reward people more. But... You, you can't say... And it's, yeah, it's not like the uh, Premier League can't afford it. What's stopping people play refereeing is the abuse they get. Yeah, okay, well then... Yeah. Then make it more make it a lucrative career option or what, you know. It's tough because when you go down the leagues, they've, they've got to learn to referee somewhere. And if you're refereeing Sunday League football and everyone's calling you a cunt for free, basically, every Sunday, right? It is, it yeah. is a grind, isn't it? And, and I've seen referees get at, physically attacked as well. Yeah, Especially yeah. further down the leagues, right? And then it's it, oh my god, I wouldn't referee Sunday league football for. Oh, can you imagine it? Imagine going anything. down a mill, mill wall and refereeing Sunday league. But it's not helped them when you get to to a level where they're professional, like they are, right? Yeah, like they are now, and you can't criticise them. Why? Why is the, why is the referee the only person on the pitch that you can't say anything bad about? And also the only person on the pitch who is never available for an interview. Post, yes. I, used to find, I used to find it incredibly. He's not allowed to talk about it because at all. you know, as a you know, a radio host, you'd be live at these games. There would be a referee decision that you know was either awful or could have gone either way. It's so frustrating to have to get other people's opinions on that. What do you think you know, the referee you, uh, thought of that? phone is based on... Yeah, what, what do you, why yeah. do you think he's done that? You know, you think of the Wales-England game in the Six Nations. That guy should have just done interviews straight away. Hmm. I'd just gone, oh, you know, yeah. front th- up to I, whatever side of the wants to ask him. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, you know, I said, time's on. 
so they could take a quick penalty. That's fine. Yeah. That's within the rules. England shouldn't have brought on water carriers yeah. because it wasn't a break in play. The left wing was That's ready. That's their own right, fault for having a drink. The left Sorry wing was that. ready. The right wing wasn't. Unlucky. Yeah. The other one, I've watched it back, probably was a knock-on. Yeah. I fucked up. Exactly. And, and, uh, <laughs> and then you've killed it as a story. It's dead. When you, when you completely refuse to engage with it, or when you do something that's so patently wrong... You're not even allowed to come out and say you're wrong. He, he, he can't come out and say, I shouldn't have said off cards. I thought I was thinking of that. I, I shouldn't have shown him a yellow there. I, was, I, was really, I dropped my cards. I felt a bit embarrassed. It's a thick thing to have done. I'm I really overreacted. Sorry. I apologize. I bet he gets asked about it all the time as well. Good. <laughs> and so he should. So he should. It would be interesting because when, when FIFA bring in rule changes, they often experiment with, with one league. And it would be interesting especially if the league was high-profile enough to do TV interviews afterwards, if they did allow the referees to explain themselves, if it did then kill the story. So if you did get a referee going, going walking on and saying, do you know what, I was incited, and yeah, it was a goal, and I realised I should have given it, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Would that kill the story? Or would it prolong the whole thing? One thing they do in the, in the NFL, I, I, I don't know I bang on up with the NFL, but I think they do get some things right. The referees mic, so and not just the yeah. way that rugby referees are mic. No, no, fairly annoying. Stadium, you know. Yeah, you know they're, they're mic'd in the stadium and they're mic'd at home, and it's just about the decisions. And they say, okay, this is for this is what the penalty's for. This is who did it, and this is the penalty for oh, it. That'd be great. So if this guy had that, he presses microphone, walks to the centre of the pitch, going, "I have booked number eight for Rangers, Paul Gascoigne." For being too fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you, for you, showing cheek, acting in a in a reverent and impish manner, <laughs> imp-like behaviour. Sack Lynn for having fun at the expense of her employer. <laughs> but you might think then I'm not going to give him a card for that because I've got to go and explain it to sixty thousand people. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know if you've mean? got to press the button and go. Neymar called me a tool when he walked past. <laughs> yeah. That is a yellow card. Well, I'm not having it. <laughs> I, I love, I, with football being played behind closed doors, I love the commentators having to apologise for the language. Yeah. Every few minutes it makes me laugh. Do apologise for any views at home. Uh, Just do it once at the start of a game. Some of the bad language has been... Yeah. We used to have to do it when, whenever we did boxing commentary. They'd go, uh, right, Steph, could you go to the corner now? Okay, so you go to the corner, you hear the what trainer talking to the boxer. Corner. He's going to say fucking cunt. Like 100% yeah, yeah. he's going to say that. Yeah. And as soon as he does, we'd like to uh, apologise yeah. anybody offended by the, uh, yeah. the grown-up language. You are listening to boxing. You, you are listening to boxing, so... You are watching two grown men fighting each other for money. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. If, if this is where your moral compass comes up and you're yeah. going to phone up and complain. The threat of concussion, I didn't mind. <laughs> But the effing and the jeffing on Radio Wales' coverage of Joe Calzag. My wife and I thoroughly enjoyed the one chap caving in the orbital socket of the other chap with his his knuckles. But his use of the word bugger in the corner was absolutely unforgivable. That is where I draw the line. So, Dougie Smith, I don't know what happened. I don't know... I, I doubt he even missed a game for this. I was at school with a boy, and his ambition was to be a, a league linesman. Not even oh, a ref. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be a line. He thought that was he thought that was achievable. He wanted to be a linesman in the league. Which the, the, his the, dad was a ref in like the Carmarthenshire leagues, oh, but he wow. wanted to be a sort of professional league linesman. And do you know what? We take the piss. I mean, the game, the game cannot, the sport cannot happen without referees. Mm. My father-in-law 
he refereed in the Derbyshire Sunday League for years and years. And he was telling me, <laughs> he told me at Christmas, not Christmas, Christmas before, you know, I don't know, some pub team in Matlock are playing a pub team from Bonsall. And a bloke swore after about 15 seconds and Jeff said, right, off. And the guy said, you can't, you can't send me off for swearing. He went, I yeah. can. Oh, it's God. my game. Wow. And then they all started swearing. He said a couple off. And he said, listen. And they all refused to go. And he said, well, either you go or I go. And if I go, yeah. the game doesn't happen. And he had a sort of very stern approach to what about discipline. Us? Yeah. So your father-in-law is a bell I mostly get sent off a lot. And it, was, it, it wasn't for fighting. It mostly wasn't for fighting. It was, it was nearly always for dissent. Because I, I would... It would be a fight that started things, or there'd be there'd be a scuffle or something. But then some referees are such knobs, and I just I can't suffer idiots. I don't, you know, and I know they're they're, they're doing it for like twenty pence a mile expenses or yeah. whatever. I don't care. It doesn't mean you, yeah. it doesn't give you carte blanche to be a twat. I can still call you a twat, right? And you can call me a twat. That's fine. You can say shut up, you foul mouthed twat, right? That's fine. Do that, but don't send me off. Have one of your lovely showers early, Michael. <laughs> Go on, those showers will be yeah, all right, man. Pl- plenty of hot water. I tried to send a ref off once. I was hilarious. He said, "Get off." He said, "Yeah." He just he sent me off, right? Number seven, you're off. I said, "You." I said, "You fucking get off." <laughs> That's all the way works over seven. It was in sevens. It, it was in a place called Nazareth you were House. You sent in off Cardiff. in sevens. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell! And in the end, all sixes. I was refusing. To, <laughs> I was refusing to leave the pitch, and then all my own team were going, "Bubs, get get off, just get off." But I ended up telling all my own team to fuck off as well. Then. <laughs> And then I eventually walked off with my tail between my legs. But um, what were you sent off for? I chased him up from the halfway line. I say we're about the same speed, so I, I I wasn't gaining on him. But he, yeah, yeah. But he was already in front of me. So we get over the try line, and rather than put the ball down, yes, he just flies around with it for like been yes. ten seconds with a big st- stupid grin on his face, trying to make me look stupid. So as he grounded, I just hit him, and then <laughs> and then the referee sent me off, which. I thought the other bloke should. All right, fair enough. But the other bloke was obviously showboating, and that's that's an offence, isn't it? I mean, not a sending no. off one, but yeah. No. Well, no, but give him a telling off at least. Where did these issues come from? <laughs> I'm a happy childhood. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is so weird. I've met, you know, I met yeah. your mum. I yeah. met your dad. Lovely people. Yeah. Nice, really nice people. Great people. Nice sister. Good school. Nice teachers. Yeah. Intelligent. Top form for everything. <laughs> you know, good looking. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Decent sized penis. Yeah, confident. confident. Lovely singing voice. Confident. Nice skin, nice bum, nice eyes. Angry. Angry. Oh, wow. Angry. Really fucking angry. And nothing to be angry about. I mean, the game of life, I've come out on top, really. Loved playing rugby. Loved yeah, rugby. Yeah. Yes, and never happier than me on the rugby pitch. I mean, that referee there's caught me my, 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 probably the best 18 minutes of the week for me. And I'm still fucking livid. There's no one I'd rather be. God, imagine how angry you'd be if you were ugly. Imagine. Don't bear thinking about it. If you were like real product of incest ugly. I'd be in prison. <laughs> Do you know what it might be? I was thinking about I, I mentioned this before on another podcast. Yeah. I think, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm touched on it here. I think I might have been angry about the fact, going back to my working class roots and my, my be, what it's like to be Welsh. Right. And not, not just Welsh, but Welsh from Barry, right? Yeah, yeah was I always felt hard done by against the Welsh-speaking teams and the posh teams. I always, that they were the ones where I, that really got my dander up because I thought, you think I'm some bloody rough Barry Oik. So I'm going to punch and, you uh, and prove you wrong. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the face to show yeah. you you're wrong. 
to show you how yeah. rough I'm not. I'm not going to call the referee a cunt and refuse to walk off. Who's laughing now? Point proved. Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking Ike, are you cunt? <laughs> I used to talk. I told you before. I used to. I used to. I used to, I used to um, cover my bedroom floor in drawing pins. Yeah, to, to try and control my temper, to, so I could get used to my my you know being angry about stuff and try to put a lid on it. Ooh. Do you think it was the drawing pins that made you angry, Mike? I used them to try and calm me down, but it didn't work. Obviously, just ended up angry. angry. He's, just ended up with angry and bad feet. He's got a floor that's he's, made he's out of drawing pins. He's got forty drawing pins in his ankles. <laughs> I wonder he's pissed heel. off. The Krypton factor trying to get to bed every night. Oh, of course he's God. bloody angry. <laughs> I was angry with sepsis. <laughs> right. My clip for this round is uh, 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 one that I can't believe I haven't already done. I was kind of going back through sort of one of my original lists of clips for when we started doing this. And I thought I'd done this one, but I haven't. Um... And I was reminded of it on the weekend. I was watching, I was watching the boxing on Saturday night, and Savannah Marshall was boxing, and she's just one of the best boxers I've ever watched. Just like stylistically, has got it. Really understands the sport and totally has it. And then I'd seen on the news Rachel Blackmore winning the uh, Grand National, and I thought, oh, okay, right, maybe in the future I could do clips of one of these and then I thought of sports people who just embody their sport for me and who totally understand their sport and their whole way of doing the sport works for it and I thought I haven't done Rachel Atherton and I don't know why I haven't so this is a clip of her she is probably the greatest downhill mountain biker of all time five-time world champion and this is sort of one of those head cam shots of Scott one of Trump, her uh, World Cup runs. Just the abilities. It's really hard to see the abilities of a downhill mountain bike yeah. unless you go with the onboard camera. Yeah. And the onboard camera in this is just spectacular. Hmm. Oh, to be able to do that with no fear at all is one thing. To be able to do it that smoothly and make the bike do what you want it to do is another. And if this sport was in the Olympics, you'd have all heard of her, mm. which is the bit that kind of frustrates me. She would be as famous as Victoria Pendleton. And this is a sport as well where Wales has got some of the best tracks and the best runs. And, yes, that's true. You know, not far yeah. from here either, you know. Yeah, in Merthyr, there's a good one. Yeah, there's there? a great, there's some great ones up in Merthyr. Yeah, down to Talbot, um, yeah. and Rachel and her whole family moved to the Dovey Valley. So oh, they're right. from England, moved there, oh, moved to the Dovey Valley, bought up an area of the forest, and created their own tracks there. Oh wow, what a fun! Do you know, I've never, I've never done it as a sport, but every kid sort of my age, not, well, that's not like an old fart. It's not such a big thing these days, right? But when I was a kid, everyone had a bike the Christmas I came downstairs and I could see the blue of a grifter behind yes. the frosted glass of my mum and dad's front room door and think I know what that is and we had a tradition we had to go in have breakfast as a family first then go in the front room right and I was just desperate yeah. I, thought, I knew what it was I could, I could just make up this blue shape I thought oh, Christ that's a new grifter and I, could, I couldn't wait to get in there and the grifter had that sort of like it was like, it was, it was like um, the proto sort of BMX wasn't it the grifter yeah 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 yeah. I had a grifter 
And we used to love going down to Porthcurry Park in Barry and going through the woods and stuff and going downhill on it. And I mean, mountain bike wasn't a sport as such then, right? But bloody hell, if, I'd, if, if that had been around, if she'd have been around and this footage had been around when I was like nine or ten, I'd have been all over this. That, that would have been my sport. I watched this with my heart in my mouth. <laughs> Because at points it is terrifying. But it's amazing fun to do. Well, when I watched it, I thought, aren't humans weird? There's a faster way down this mountain. She doesn't need to go down on a bike that quickly. And yet the adrenaline she would have felt doing that. And she'd have wanted to do it again. He, as No matter how dangerous it is. A friend of mine, he's into this. This is, this is his thing. So he's gone mountain biking in the Peak District and in Snowdonia. And he cycled down Cadar Idris and he had all the protective gear on. Him and his mates. And the idea is you go down as fast as you can. And because he's got all the protective gear on, you accept that you're going to come off a couple of times. No, I, I don't want to do that. I I'd love lo- riding my I'd bike. love to do it. I would love to do this. You get either towed to the top or they'll put your bike on the back of the, of the low loader and drive you to the top of the mountain. Then you, you can go up and down all day. They'll drive you to the top and then they go down again. Drive you to the top and then they go down again. There was another clip that I didn't use which is of her dislocating her shoulder doing this. How? Yeah, I'm trying to get that. a member of the crowd to pull her arm to put it back in oh, that's so she can off. finish the ride off. No, thanks. And she's just going, pull it harder, pull it harder. What's wrong with you? No, thank you. <laughs> and then she pops it back in and carries on. Oh. Top girl. Oh, shiver me timbers. Red Bull, for a, for a fizzy caffeine drink, right? Which is what it is, though, isn't it? It's yeah, a fizzy yeah. caffeine drink, Red Bull. Yeah, it is. It is. I defy anyone to be better at marketing than Red Bull. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's become synonymous with extreme sport. It's just a fizzy drink. You know what I mean? They've done skydives from space, yeah. and they do like... You're like, what? Yes. I think of snowboarding, downhill mountain biking, surfing... Plane racing, is, speedboat racing. Yeah, something that's know. dangerous, rally driving, all yeah. of that is... Red Bull. Red Bull. And it oh, does mad. make Red Bull appear cool. Yeah, of course it, it does. does. Imagine if, other than, if it hadn't been Red Bull, it was Vimto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Robinson's Apple and Blackcurrant. <laughs> you know, yeah. Lowe's Dandelion and Burdock. <laughs> R. White's. R. White's Lemonade <laughs> had gone from that singing to guy. Go to skydive from space with Felix Bumgardner. <laughs> <laughs> Roller cola. Oh, God. And they're just so well placed. Like they always got the, the camera on a helmet there, but they make sure that peaks in shot all the way down, that whole way down. And it's a brilliant yeah. shot of them yeah. doing that race. Red Bull all the way down. I, I was watching that thinking, bloody hell, they, they are switched on. Mate, they know exactly what they're doing. They've got the whole yeah. TV company there who make stuff. Oh, but I'd love to have a go with this. If, if someone listened to this, you know, we talk about saying yes to stuff. I'm well up for a bit of downhill mountain biking. Let's do Ava Valley. Let's go down there or go up to Merthyr. Well, I bought a really nice bike um, about two years ago. Well, I haven't yeah. taken it out anywhere. I've done, about, I've done about 10 miles on it in total. Why? I just don't ride anywhere, do I? I got, Why buy it then? Because I had these grand... Because I Right, because for years I was living in denial. The fact that I was... I said I, I, I couldn't do certain exercises because my knees were bad. I couldn't do certain exercises because my back was bad. And, and cycling would be better for me. The reason I couldn't do that stuff was because I was five stone overweight. Not to do with the knees at all. Yeah, the reason my knees were knackered was they were carrying around a flipping <laughs> five stone belly all over the place. That's why they were bad. Same reason my back was bad. Go and tie two 15 kilo yellow, big yellow Olympic weight plates to your belly for a week 
and walk around with it and see how, see how your back's feeling. <laughs> but I'd love to have a proper lift. And she's, do you know what? Those bits when she's getting air, you can tell when she's, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that mm. bike must be the business as well, like the suspension on that bike. But her breathing is so calm. Yes. Throughout yes, the whole that's thing. That's a good point. There's no point where she goes, and at no point is she goes, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah shit, yeah. there's a tree. There's a fucking root. There's a root. Fuck. There's a root. There's a root. There's a tree. Ow. Stone. Fuck. Fucking stone. Watch out for the stone. <laughs> I'd love to watch it too. What I like about this and a lot of the winter sports is the brutality of it as well. They make the top three sit in the chairs of the podium positions by the finish line. And then when someone goes oh, faster yeah, than you, you get that. replaced. Oh. And I love it. It's sort of the, I don't know, bringing a bit of a talent show off TV yeah. into yeah. sport. Should, should go, well, let's go, and watch, let's go and watch a live one of these somewhere. That'd be great. That'd be watch. cool. I think they do it up in Fort William in Scotland. I think that'd be fun. So what competition is this, Steph? This is one of the World Cup Series events. Okay. So they have like seven or eight races around the world. And then there's, I think she's won that title six times. She won the World Championships race five times. I assume that Red Bull then... They put so much money into this. Yes. That that's how these people are full-time professionals. Because how, how would you be a full-time professional mountain biker? Her and her brothers had a sort of YouTube series that Red Bull made with them, mm. um, just about them as a family of downhill mountain bikers. And then, like I say, they moved to mid-Wales to the Dovey Valley and bought an area of forest, built huge tracks there. Red mm. Bull do different races up there. And they've got their own sort of company now as well as just a family. So I tell you what's so cool now that didn't exist when I was a kid, right? Is because of YouTube, there's a lot more exposure to these things. And because of sponsorship by people like Red Bull, right? Whatever you want to do within reason, if you excel at it, you can make a living at it. When I was a kid, that wasn't the case, right? You, you, could never, you, you weren't going to make a living doing mountain biking or surfing or skateboarding. or Yeah. They, they were, but these are career paths. They're not... I know, I know that they, they they probably think of themselves as too cool to be thinking about careers. But what I mean is, if you love doing mountain biking, and, and the lottery's made a massive difference as well, a huge difference. Yeah, especially but to if, the if more you, mainstream sports, I'd say. Ones that are Olympic events. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that, you know, people's interest, if you're interested in mountain biking, and there's a big enough audience that is interested in that, that you will then watch the Red Bull content. And yeah. if, I don't know, 3% of those buy a can of Red Bull... And it's global. That's the thing. It's global, right? So yeah. she, before the internet, she would have had to have gone to a tournament somewhere and people would have paid to come and see it and there would have been a TV fee involved. You know, it would, it would have been much more difficult to get sponsorship. Oh, yeah. much more difficult yeah, or to even stuff. get coverage. You, yeah. You'd have been waiting for Wales Today to come round to you eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be like a novelty item on the end of the, like, the six o'clock news. Yes. Yeah. Which no one outside of Wales's transmitter would have seen. Jonathan Jones, the power boater from yes. our TV. There we go. Yes. He's a world champion power boater. There we are. No one knew about yeah. it. And he would, he would get a minute at the end of Wales today. And Bob Humphreys would have to spend the first 30 seconds explaining what it was. Yeah. Because most people aren't into power boating. Fair play. He was one of the good ones at that, Bob was. He used to feature like um, Paralympic sports before they were kind of. Yes, yes. A that's thing. a very good point. Yeah. But Welsh audiences are quite patriotic. And if you are good at something, there was that rally driver from Halford West. What was his name? Di... Um, Llewellyn. Di Llewellyn. So I was a bit of a Di Llewellyn fan. 
because Bob would feature him on Wales Today. And also, I used to think with Jonathan Jones, the Powerball champion, he was a three-time world champion from what I remember. Right. Because he's from Abertavia, sort of up the road from where I'm from. I used to think, how did you get into Powerball? <laughs> yeah. My own bullseye on one one. <laughs> <laughs> He used the Welsh blog on bulls while they didn't kill people, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so think, yeah. what, were your, what were your mum and dad doing? Going into bloody powerboating. I mean, like, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know anybody who had a powerboat in Barry, and I lived on the sea. <laughs> no, really? I mean, I... A couple of blokes who went fishing for conger eels, but that was about it. Well, if you're from Abertavia or Ceredigion and you know the Jonathan Jones story, let me know. If, or yeah, let us know the or if you're Jonathan, if you're Jonathan Jones, Jones, yeah. Give us a back in your boat. I do know people who did rally driving. Yeah, my, my nephew used to be a, a, a navigator on a rally team. Yeah, I knew him. I knew a mechanic, and that was his like weekend. Oh, my uncle hobby. used to rally drive, actually. Yeah, he mm. wasn't. He wasn't into rugby or football. He was into martial arts. We've got to pick some rally. We've got to pick some rally clips. Those blokes have got to screw loose. They are nutters. Yeah, bloody hell. And women, but I mean, Christ. There's a fantastic documentary about 1980s rally driving, which has been on BBC Four a couple of times, and that is that's that's on YouTube. We have to watch that because that is that's incredible. Let's do it. But this is a great clip. This nice picking. I've got to go and see one. I want to go and see one, and I want to go and try it. I want to send my forty, soon to be forty-nine-year-old body down a mountain on a bike. Down a mountain fast, into a tree as fast as I can. Dear everybody, the live shows have been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming at you live from the heath. <laughs> Hello, God. Hello to you. Oh my joy! I'm to the I whole went, hospital where there's a special <laughs> unit for what I, has happened to you. Ju- can I just tell you how? Huck off. Huck off. Huck. I'm doing very well. Who's looking after me? <laughs> Anthony Hopkins style mask on. <laughs> Big screen in the middle of the new theatre. I went to the room with the window. <laughs> How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Kelly bought those Kellogg's Crunchy Nut Clusters the other day with real milk. What's oh, it, nice. What are you doing? I can eat two boxes of that straight away. What, yeah. One bowl after Without that. stopping. Yeah, yeah. No problem at all. Give me a litre of milk and like a 750 gram box of that. Oh, pour the me, milk in. Just let me get on with the it. box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's a plastic bag inside. Just yeah, pour the milk in into there. the plastic bag. Yeah. Spoon <laughs> in. 100%. I would, do that. <laughs> I would do that box in about 15 minutes, honestly. Yeah, it's the kind of thing Uncle yeah. Buck would do. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what's the doc for this week, Al? It is my choice, and it is a doc about a Belgian man who football fans certainly my age and above will have heard of, and I can't think of a single individual 
who's had such a profound impact on the game, certainly not in the modern era, is this person. The documentary is Bosman, the player that changed football. There are few people in the world of football as significant as Jean-Marc Bosman. December 1995, a court case that would go on to define European football for the next quarter of a century. A one-man army fighting injustice against a legion of footballing lawmakers. Bosman will go on to win the watershed trial, becoming a man hedged into the fabric of footballing history, but at what cost? Nothing was ever going to be the same for the once promising star. Now, a lonely outcast, left with no recognition for the foundations he laid to modern football. Players like Steve McManaman, Paul Lambert, Saul Campbell, Andrea Pirlo, Robert Lewandowski, and Indison Cavani, all taking advantage of the ruling. People thought it was going to take five weeks and it took five years. Absolutely awful. What benefits did he actually get out of doing it? Or was it he was a sacrificial lamb? I don't think he had much choice. And I think if we're being reasonable, wouldn't we all do the same? Controversial time in football and change the face of football. Everybody should have a freedom of choice about what they do with their life, what they do with their talent, what they do with their gift. You've got your hand up to to help me take everybody on. How is he doing? So, if you don't know who he is, uh, Jean-Marc Bosman, a Belgian footballer, played for Standard Liège and RFC de Liège. He was a talented young prospect in the Belgian First Division, and he took uh, UEFA to court. The reason he took UEFA to court was that his contract had expired with RFC Liège in the Belgian First Division in 1990. He wanted to change teams, move to Dunkirk, a French club. But Dunkirk refused to meet RFC Liège, uh, their transfer fee demand. So Liège refused to release Bosman, even though his contract was up, because in those days they still had your registration papers. So even though he was no longer contracted to RSC Liège, he was then stuck in no man's land. So in the meantime, his wages reduced by 70% because he was no longer a first-team player. I mean, he's absolutely crazy looking back. So he took his case to the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg and he sued for restraint of trade, citing FIFA's rules regarding football. Uh, specifically Article 17, this is all explained in the documentary, he won. And I don't think mm. very many people expected him to win. Now, I st- I was an avid reader of When Saturday Comes at the time, and it, this was discussed every month. Yeah, for ages. For ages and ages and ages, because people were terrified about what it would do to football. This ruling coincided directly with the new era of crazy football finance, you know, sort of Sky's money in the Premier League, for instance. And what it meant was that the clubs could no longer block a move or demand a fee from the player or from the destination club if the player left at the end of their contract. So it completely changed the way that transfers happened. There was a study this year, actually, and it um, it found that the Bosman ruling did increase the competitiveness of national team football because it encouraged like, greater talent development, but it reduced competition in the Champions League because non-established teams tended to sell their best players rather than compete against the best teams. 
But people yeah. thought it was going to end football as we knew it. Genuinely, it was it was an existential crisis for the game. And also, I was saying I should read when Saturday comes. The court case lasted five years. It's crazy. Isn't it? Now the other thing that he, um, that was changed because of it is that UEFA at the time had a rule that prohibited teams in its competitions from naming more than three foreign players in their squads for any game. Yeah. So that ended uh, because it's you know it's a restraint of trade thing and a freedom of movement thing. So after the ruling quotas could still be imposed, but only to restrict uh, the number of non-EU players on each team, but they just got rid of it. He was one bloke playing in the Belgian First Division who wanted to move to Dunkirk across the border. He's a French speaker. It made perfect sense. He wasn't playing for RFC uh, Liège. That's all he wanted was to play football. And he was a talented young player. His career had been completely scuppered and had grown to a halt. And he thought, right, and I think I think a, a part of him, I, I certainly got this from watching it, thought, fuck you. Fuck you for not allowing me to play football and live my dream. Because obviously, like all footballers, he'd wanted to be a footballer since he was very mm. young. And he thought, all right, then, sort you then, I'll take you to court. And I think he was told initially that the court case would take five weeks. It eventually took five years. And you don't hear the, the phrase really anymore. But for a long time afterwards, people would say, oh, they've got him on a Bosman. Uh, players whose contracts had ended, then going, say, for free transfers. But like uh, Alan Ramsey, say, going from Arsenal to Juventus on a free transfer. For a long time, people say, well, they've got they've got him on a Bosman. Because before that, in England, I don't know how they were doing it in other countries, you would have the FA tribunals, wouldn't you? A committee would basically sit down and decide. What yeah. your value was. And they'd been in place since 1981 to resolve disputes over fees between clubs when transferring players at the end of their contract. Now, the first high-profile player to do a Bosman was yeah. Edgar Davids. So he okay. went from Ajax to Milan on a Bosman. Um, Steve McManaman was probably the first high-profile English player. Uh, he went to Real Madrid from Liverpool, ran his contract down, and then they got him on a free transfer. Obviously, they had to pay his wages, which were very high. When you think of all of the players... It's benefited. They should all be immensely grateful to Jean-Marc Bosman. The one poor sod it didn't benefit at all was him. Yeah. Because it, it yeah. ended his career. I mean, spoiler alert, it is a really interesting documentary, but bloody hell, there's no happy ending to this. I mean, he, he is no. an absolutely broken man, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. And David yeah. Junalan in this is really good. Obviously, he's French-speaking. So all the stuff with Bosman, they speak in French together in his subtitle. He looks amazing. We mentioned last week about you know, like, oh yeah, yeah. my Bloody god, I distractingly he's, handsome. He's too cool. In this. <laughs> I mean, he looks. But he's one of those sods who looks better at fifty than he did at. Oh, 30. it's crazy. He looks he so. He yeah. looks How does that happen? Oh, oh, who knows? He is genuinely shell shocked after meeting Bosman. You, you can see it at the end of the, when he's summing up. He's done. He's done, a, he's done a really good job presenting the doc, but he's he's he's. It's affected him. You can see it. It's, he's not putting that on for yeah. the It's a bit where he says, I, I, I was worried about it. When I got home, yeah. I'm worried about him yeah. as a man. Do you, do, you remember, do you remember the 74, 75 video by the Connells? Yes. Which was a big video when I was in university, right? And there's those close-ups of people who just look bereft of joy. He looks like a, it looks like a Connells video. There's that bit at the end yeah. where he's just staring at the camera. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this has ruined this man. Yeah. And he was a good-looking young young bloke as well. Yeah. Like, you know? He looked like, I tell you what he looked like, he looked like Joe Calzaghe. 
Yeah, that he same did. sort of look as a young Calzaghe, you know. And now he's just this bald, bewildered, skint, bloody shell of a bloke. It's hard to watch. Because I used to read When Saturday Comes, and probably from about 1993 onwards, they were talking. They would talk about this, and they would they would try and speculate, or they would speculate over the possible ramifications of the, the Bosman ruling and what it meant. I used to see his picture all the time. Hmm. And when it showed him training with Standard Liège and RSC Liège, it was an image that was very evocative for me because I used to see it all the time. Yeah. But never for his football. Well, at the beginning of the doc, I, I didn't know. It took me a couple of seconds for my brain to work out that he was talking to Bosman. I thought it was only like 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. It can't be that bloke there who looks to be like in his 70s. That can't be him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's him. And he's not, he's not even that old, but I mean, he's bloody hell, poor sod. No, he's but, in his early 50s, I think. Part of me thought, why doesn't... This is what I don't get with some sport. There's so much money in football. So yeah. much money in football. Why can't they help out players like that? It would, it would, be, it would be nothing, right? It would, it, would, it would be a drop in the ocean for there to be a decent welfare system for ex-players. One percent of your way of, of a of a premier of a like a European top league wage going into a ex players fund from before there was the real windfall of like you know like Elsa the Sky Money stuff and before football changed unrecognisably so financially one yeah. percent of those wages would revolutionise those ex players lives. Yes, and also you've got players like Steve McManaman and Rio Ferdinand on this program, people who'd benefited from the ruling. And McManaman obviously is older than Ferdinand, so he, I would imagine, has a better memory of of the case happening. So McManaman's talking about it, and Paul Lambert talks about it. And then Rio goes, what did he get out of it? Why did he do this? Because what's he doing now? I tell you what I loved about Ginola doing this. I, I thought Ginola, when he's got the, the fellow there from the, the legal uh, company that took the case to court on behalf of Bosman, right? And lumped in the three and two thing with everything else and made this huge, you know, this this sort of era-defining football case. Ginola says to them, do you think he was used by people? And the, the lawyer there says, um, who, us? He went, yeah, you. You know, I thought, yeah. fair play to you, mate, to do that. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you're there. And it's not easy to do that. When you, you did a lot more interviews than I've done, Steph, ever, right? To be that frank with somebody that's three feet away from you he was that frank with those guys, but he was that frank with um, with Bosman himself. Yes, yeah, he was. In a, in where a, he's talking about his alcohol. In a way that problems. could have been uncomfortable, actually. Yeah, and even the last interview yep. where he's saying, you just want some kind of recognition. Yeah, You want yeah, yeah. something. You want people to recognise what you've done. You need that. Hmm. And that might be the linguistics of speaking in French, and it might not be as direct as it is in direct translation, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But I think it is. Well, and to his mother and to his sister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, when he's asking his mother about him crying. What's so unfair for him, though, when you think of the thousands of footballers and the millions upon millions of pounds that have resulted from a ruling that only came about because he was willing to take you away for the court... When the judgment was handed down, it was December 1995. He was bloody 31 by that point. Yeah. So he'd lost his best years. 
Yeah. So if you look at if you look at his playing career, eighty three to eighty eight standard Liège played eighty six times, eighty eight to ninety RFC Liège. Now that's the team where it started to go wrong for him on the pitch. Eighty eight to ninety, so he plays three times, and that's when he's like, okay, well I'll move move I'll move to Dunkirk then, no problem. Nineteen ninety one, uh, Olympique uh, San uh, San Quentin. That's he plays twelve times. Nineteen ninety. Um, another club he doesn't play, and then ninety to ninety five Olympic Chalois he plays twice in five years. Shit. So he only played one hundred and three games, eighty three to nineteen ninety five. He won twenty caps of Belgium at youth level. He was captain of the twenty ones. You know yeah. he was not a bad player. Certainly good enough to have a have a career. Yeah. And the fact that it wasn't working out at RFC Liège, well, it doesn't work out for lots of good players for whatever reasons. Exactly. You know, you might yeah. not fit the manager's plans. There might be um, a personality clash. All sorts of different reasons. And he had a club. Dunkirk wanted to buy him. But it's interesting listening to his own teammates, his own former teammates, just being almost embarrassed that they haven't been in touch with him. Yeah, yeah because yeah. he became embarrassing to be around. Again, Ginola there, he doesn't shy away from that at all. And he puts that, the one yeah. fellow there who wanted to come to the meeting and said, you know, wanted to build a bridge and everything. Ginola asked him directly, you know, and, and he was very frank with Ginola as well. I thought it was one of the most honest documentaries I've ever seen when you're talking about yes. the way people are talking about people that are right there in front of him or right next yes. to him. I thought, bloody hell, yeah. this is, this, it's a powerful doc, this. Very, very powerful. I've made a few documentaries now. And I don't think I'd have the nerve to ask the questions no, Ginola did. Not maybe via a Zoom, if I could bloody hide behind a screen, but not to sit down at a table with somebody like that and be like that. I tell you what else is, like I said, this was all going on as I was just, I was an adult, so I was an adult legally in 1990. I was 18, right? So that seems like not very long ago to me. I, so I still feel, you know, young at heart, right? It doesn't, doesn't I don't feel like an old bloke. And, and, and this wasn't a long, I was an adult then and I'm an adult now. Play the bluebells. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a long time ago. That, that 20 years has gone pretty quickly, right? To think that a, that a club could control your career after they've, your contract with a club is for four years, say, right? We're going to pay you for the next four years. You sign up for this. Okay, that seems fair. We're going to make money off it. You're going to make money off it. You've got a four-year contract. Right, that's a deal. Four years is up. I want to move now. Well, you can't. But why? You're not. You're not paying me. I'm not. In, I'm not under contract with you. Yeah. No, but we we own your papers. You're like a. You're like an indentured labourer. You're shackled to us until we decide you can go somewhere else, even though we're not paying you and we're not giving you a contract. I was trying to think. Imagine any other job. Imagine you've got a job. You're doing a contract uh, at, a, at a factory for six months. All right. Yeah. Here's your money. It's a six month contract. Okay. At the end of it, oh, I've got a bit of work in the next factory. We can't go. You keep my job on? No. No, no. What do you you mean I can't go? We'll We'll pay you 30% of what we were paying you. Yeah. But you can't do any work here or anywhere else. I'll be saying, no, but I want to go work for the other factory because you don't want me to work here anymore. Yes, but you can't go. That doesn't make any sense. And football is unrecognisable from how it was. Imagine imagine if you hadn't taken them to court. I've lived, and it's it's a horrible thing that I don't wish on anybody, right? I've lived with a girlfriend... That I've split up with, and we've 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 rented a house together, and we end up both in the same house, sleeping in separate bedrooms until one of us can sort out, you know, where we're going to go. And it's a fucking nightmare because you're somewhere where you don't want to be, they don't want you to be there. But, but you imagine you're there saying, 
<laughs> Imagine, like, I then found another place to live in. She went, you can't go anywhere. What do you mean? Yeah. you gotta, you got you to gotta stay here. <laughs> I don't want to stay I've, here. You, you, I've got your shagging, papers. You're shagging someone else now. Yeah, but, but you're not going anywhere. You're staying here. Yeah, but he's doing the job I used to do. <laughs> the job. <laughs> that might be I'm why a, you were leaving, Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a chore. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, you got someone in to do your job. And you still can't leave. It's so sad that he never got to fulfil his potential. And you Poor know, bastard, honestly. And he, he, he's not Neymar or Messi or Ronaldo. He was a good player no. who would have had a decent career, probably. Mm. And he might have yeah. got a couple of Belgian caps. Who knows? He was, he was certainly a good player, but like yeah, actually, he's, he's, he's he would got, have made a career out of it. He'd, he'd have made yeah, a he, out of it. he's, he's got. And also, say he'd never taken away for the court and the Belgian FA to court. Yeah, and RFC Liège to court. Say none of that had ever happened, and he'd had a decent career in the Belgian first division. He could have gone into management. He could be coaching. He could be doing all sorts of stuff and still be involved in the game. I bet the agents loved him, mate. I was thinking the other day about they're the unseen people in football. You imagine being the agents these days. You imagine when you're taking fifteen percent of yeah, yeah. Of a flipping hundred yeah. million, of a hundred million pounds. But it, it must be so galling for Bosman to see the tremendously inflated transfer fees, which is all part of this. Well, he was talking about the, the reason they wouldn't release him was is that they wanted Dunkirk to shell out seventy five grand. I think they bought him for twenty five. It wasn't like yeah. it was seven hundred fifty thousand. It was like yeah, yeah. So the money he's talking about is tens of thousands. And because of that, him going to the court for five years, you're now talking about transfer fees in the hundreds of millions. And he's skint. History is full of... Living in his mum's flipping garage. Yeah, but history's full of people who are willing to stick their heads above the parapet Mm. and suffer on behalf of other people in the greater good, which is what what he was doing. He's, He's the canary down the coal mine, really. To get absolutely nothing back from he the game. He deserves something, doesn't he? He deserves something. You know, as someone who remembers that happening, and now we're mm. living in a post-Bosman world, to see a 47-minute documentary that just explains what it was, why he took you away from the Belgian FA and the club to court, and in the aftermath, but also the aftermath, his personal aftermath, and what he's living through at the moment. Yeah. It's very sad, but it's, if, if you're interested in sport, football in particular... It's a really, really important watch, I think. And anyone who's into their cricket will now be thinking, who was Colpack and whatever happened to him? Do you know what I mean? Like people who change sports, you know, like uh, the Rooney rule in the NFL. There are these people who are just names to most people. And that's what fascinated me. Halfway through this doc was thinking, okay, so what happened to those guys? The last few documentaries we've watched have been great bits of television about really important things in sports that the three of us love. Yeah. But none of them have been heartwarming or positive. Not been uplifting. No. No, there's this. We've gone three steps. We've gone step, step, step. (laughs) Right, next week, next week, I'm doing Caddyshack. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, you know. Yin and Yang, mate. Yin and Yang. It's, 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 it's really worth watching. And, do you know, yes. I think they've unearthed an absolute gem with David Ginola as far as documentary formats are concerned. 100%. Oh, God, yeah. Christ, in the office. If he was a political interviewer, I'd shit my pants. Bloody hell, yeah. But in the, in the BT Sport office, that'd be like 
Christ, he's half decent, isn't he? You wonder if they came up with the idea because he speaks French and someone had a phone number for him initially. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely And then they've gone, it would have been, I think. You'll, you'll never fucking guess. Yeah, he's, he's actually brilliant. He's actually very good. Yeah. What yeah. a stroke. Turns out he's fantastic at this. <laughs> and he's not bad to look at. Beautiful grey-haired man. He's gorgeous. But he's had a heart attack. Yes. Has he? <laughs> yeah. He had a heart attack three years ago. <laughs> spring, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I bet he looks great in a pair of uh, totty underpants. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, so, yeah. Oh, Because uh, he was ripped when he played as well, remember? Nice, fluffy, uh, ice-white dressing gown and a oh, little espresso what? first thing. And then Egyptian some Egyptian cotton, high thread count, very soft. I bet he never has a full English. I bet he just, has an es- he just has an espresso and some watermelon. Yeah, a bit of grapefruit, maybe. Oh, yes, a grapefruit breakfast. Yeah, he has grapefruit. Definitely. Black coffee, grapefruit. Yeah. Grapefruit and a croissant. They'd probably go for a run. It looks cool running as well, which I hate. Then I imagine he reads, yeah. he reads some books on philosophy or sport for a bit. Gets through the keep. Gets through the keep. And then what he does, he goes down to watch his local side train. And he oh. talks to the manager. And the manager yeah. is at a loss because they've lost two games on the trot. And all of the good ideas he, he instills... In, uh, into the team yeah. for Saturday's fixture are all from yeah. Ginola. And then Ginola goes to the local boulangerie, doesn't buy in the big chains. He'll make himself a lovely lunch with some fresh bread, <laughs> maybe a small yeah. croissant, some some brie. In the afternoon, does a bit of work on his laptop, Shh. bilingually, just showing off. Walks onto the jetty, has a look at a load of yachts, yeah. gets recognised, poses for a couple of selfies, doesn't mind. Goes to watch a play <laughs> with his, I, I imagine, frankly beautiful wife. Yes. And then... Just goes to like a lovely open air cafe or like on the, on the pavement there. Like a night. Like, oh, Did he have a steak? I don't know if he'd have a steak. No, he'd have paella, I think. And then he goes home as a shit, completely odourless. <laughs> yeah. God damn. One of the ghost ones. There's nothing in the bowl when you look down. Completely yeah. odourless. And then he gets in a lovely big bed. Lovely silk yeah. sheets and big fluffy pillows, all freshly. New laundry, new bed laundry every day. Of course he does. Stiffens oh, yeah. up his massive penis. <laughs> yeah, huge penis. He puts some Edith PF on. Yeah. Admi- admiring his Eiffel Tower. Flashes to the next door neighbour and, get, <laughs> and gets nicked. <laughs> Again. Local consabri around <laughs> within half an hour. David, you've done Repeat it again. Defender. <laughs> every they put single a, night he's, like clockwork he's, put he's another, on every register put, in Monaco <laughs> put another tag on the cunt <laughs> and then uh... his wife sits him down and says what are you doing David this has to stop this has to stop yeah she burns his wig You're she burns so... his wig you're so close to being perfect. This is, I don't know why you're doing this. Why can't you make another God. documentary, David? You enjoyed that. It's not enough. I like to show my hat onto the nibbers. <laughs> David, why are you so angry? <laughs> Bosman puts his arm around his shoulder and says, Fucking hell, I wouldn't swap places with mate. you. <laughs> At the end of the Bosman goes, I worry for worry David as a human being. <laughs> Poor bastard. Can you imagine David Junola, right? At yeah. an award ceremony when he's had a, obviously he's had a, yes. he does my fuck off the peg, I would imagine. He's had a lovely tux made. 
dinner jacket. Yeah. And the end of the night, of course, he ties his own bow tie, you know, just undoes it. And he's just yeah. there. Oh, God. Yeah. Nothing cooler. I mean, he's, he's, he's everything that Simon Jones is, but he's cool French as well. Yeah. He's not shit French. No, he's not. He hasn't. He hasn't. He's never. He's never so much as borrowed a pair of kickers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's not exchange student French. No, he's cool, no, he's no, cool no. French. If we were like Mike and the Mad Dog, and we had any influence on 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 anything, I would say to BT Sport and other TV channels, just give Davies and Lamar work. Keep a close eye on him in hotels on away trips. <laughs> yeah, make sure he's taking his aspirin. Oh, for yeah. Christ's sake, don't leave your wife alone with him. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Right, this is the bit where we say goodbye to Au revoir. those of you. Au revoir, my friend. Au revoir. Petit ami. Va tout faire foutre en coulé. Ami das harsh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Tickets-wise, we don't know where we are oh. because we're recording this on Wednesday. So for the live mm. shows, yeah, the yeah. pre-sale is all we know about. So the actual sale... Will have been on the Friday prior to you listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. But we're recording before that, so we don't know what happened. As of Wednesday at 11pm, we do know that we broke the internet in Cardiff for a bit. We ruined the internet for a small period in Cardiff. (laughs) We were the Kim Kardashian of Cardiff. (laughs) If If you're interested in... The New Theatre's website. Yes, yeah, yeah. If you're trying to get on the New Theatre... I mean, imagine... The kids trying to buy tickets to see Piggle and his mates. Yeah, that yeah. we did break the internet yeah. in Cardiff yeah. for a bit. For a bit. They were ready for the, for the demand, but as I pointed out to Stefan earlier, you know, <coughs> Distant Pod is a, is, a, is a juggernaut. It's not Lind Lazardi and Panto. <laughs> no. It's a different beast. Which I got no problem yeah, It is. I've got no, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've got no problem with I either. Would, I would... I would love to see Lindler, Zardy and Panto. So, do, we don't... do both. Do both. It's not either or, is it? I mean, Panto... They're not mutually Panto exclusive. Panto's season more subtle, so in November, usually. There may well be tickets still available. Can I say to people like the mad bastards who've bought eight tickets to fly from <laughs> Bristol to Belfast for a gig? Or the lunatic who's, who's flying in from Boston, USA for a gig? The lunatic. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love you, but you've, you've got oh. issues, obviously. I mean, I... I... I love pressure. I do oh, not yeah, need Christ the pressure like... of someone who's flown in from Boston. Fucking <laughs> hell. Oh, oh Stefan, very there. funny tonight. I'm not even the fucking funny one. Of course I wasn't oh, funny. I no. I no. love it. Bring it on. I was built for this. <laughs> I was built yeah. for this pressure. He thrives on yeah. pressure. They call him the pressure cooker. Yeah, yeah. He loves it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proper excited now. I am a proper yeah, it's going to be good. So if you go to distantpod.com uh, slash live... You'll find the links there, okay? They'll take you either to the venue websites or over to Ticketmaster, and you'll be able to find 
where there are tickets still available. Like I say, we don't know where we stand at this point, so there might not be any available for whatever venue you want to go to. But then think about having an away trip somewhere. If there isn't one close yeah, to you, still, we will have a laugh. Some people are doing home and away. Some people yeah. are buying tickets for like Cardiff and Belfast. Yeah, going home and away. Just, just to, if you if you're thinking of doing more than one gig, yeah. Just to we haven't mentioned this before. They are going to be all different. They're not going to use the same clips. Every show is going to be a different show. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you know what? Because yeah. of the unique way this podcast is funded, we can hammer you about our tour until it sells out. We can mention it every week. And also, if there is one anomaly date that isn't selling particularly well, oh, you will hear we will about let, it. We, you will hear about oh. it, and then we will encourage you to do away trips to that one. Yeah. If, for now, example, the one episode yes. is very heavily pro Tyneside, <laughs> It'll be because the Newcastle gig is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> strong, st- strong marketing. Not that it's not selling well in the Tyneside area. That was doing all right. Was yeah. They're all. Yeah, do you know what? Given well. that they've only been on sale, they're not actually on sale yet. <laughs> That's what's they're fascinating. They're on pre-sale to. Yeah. Oh, I know they're on pre-sale to only the top tier of patrons. They've, they've been on pre-sale to the top tier of patrons for thirteen hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Someone did mention earlier. They said it's, I, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit unfair that the the legends get first dibs on on the tickets nope. like three days for everybody nope, else. That's exactly that's what it's not. Out, well, <laughs> that's exactly what they pay for, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was always <laughs> written. <laughs> that's, that's what they're paying yeah. the extra for. That's literally what they're paying for. <laughs> <laughs> it's the what only they perk they get that you that you don't get. Yeah. What are they paying the extra money for? Oh, that other thing. Yeah. The thing that they got. Yes, yeah, so I'm get, get along to it. I tell you what, mate, we're out as well. Do oh, you know what? Mate. We are out. So, do you know what? The whichever if if one of them doesn't sell well, I'm not saying they're not going to, but if one of them does need a big, but that's the one where I'm going to get hammered with the fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. 100%. I'm going to get hammered on the sold out gigs just to, just to you know. Everyone buys Mike a pint. I think Belfast with the Wales game in the evening could be off the scale. Find a venue for us. If you're in Northern Ireland or if you're Northern Ireland curious. Yes. <laughs> Northern Ireland curious. <laughs> find, find us a venue to watch the Wales game. Yeah, Wales are playing Belarus. Mm-hmm. So we need somewhere with screens that will show it. Preferably enough seats so we can all sit down and watch it. We'll do the Crown, we'll do Kelly Sale, we'll do all those yeah, other venues. But yeah, find yeah, us a place we, to watch the football. We, we need somewhere to watch the game. And tell the owner it'll be well worth their while because there'll be hopefully several hundred people watching a football game and, and battering their doors down. You know. So there we go. That's the admin done. Right, book time uh, to wrap things up on this week's pod. Mike, your choice. Right, so I've got another present, actually. I've been a very lucky boy this week. I've had a few nice things sent to me. Uh, this was sent to me. I mentioned when we did the, the 50th episode, uh, Ella MacArthur. And they sent me the uh, Ella MacArthur Race Against Time book, the hardback book about the... Um, oh, it's just incredible. About, about her solo, Sailor on the World, which is... <laughs> I mean, there's Brave, right? <laughs> and there's this. And it, it's absolutely incredible. Like, the, um, the video footage I've seen of it before was fairly mind-blowing. But this is... So this goes into quite a bit of depth. So 
I mean, I'm trying to imagine being in, like, the Pacific, 3,000 miles from anywhere. Yeah. In the pitch black on your own. And then something breaks. Do you know Yeah. Well, there's one time she's got to go up the mast and fix the mast. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's like, she's like 70 foot of a no. mast in the dark, in the rain, on her own, on a boat, thousands of miles from anywhere. You're like, fucking no. hell. Well, she's just such a deeply impressive person. And I... I you, I don't know why we don't seem to see much of her on TV. I, I thought she'd be on it a lot more than she is. I saw her on the news because she met Prince Philip this week, and it was the first time I'd seen her for years. It's an achievement that beggars belief. Oh. And to do it so young, she's only forty-four now. I know, mate. Honestly, and you think of like my family Royal Navy going back. You know, my my old man was Merchant Navy, my granddad was Merchant Navy in Royal Navy, my granddad's uncles were both in, in the in the Navy. They're tough boys, I mean, and they were in crews in, in warships going around the world, you know? To be a young woman or a young man, it wouldn't make a difference about the sex really, but a young person, to be in a catamaran with no motor, just a sail, going around the world on your own. <laughs> oh my God. So I could, pick, I could pick it, let me just pick a day at random. Um, here we go. So we go. Day 50. Day 50. She's now three days, 22 hours, and 33 minutes ahead. She's 500 miles southeast of Buenos Aires, right? So she's just basically near the Falkland Islands. Yeah. On a boat. It's the morning here, and I'm feeling the most humour I've felt for days. Last night, after our uh, third reef episode yesterday, I, for the first time, had the boat in a configuration in which we were safe for a few hours. The wind would decrease from 40-plus knot gusts, and the terrible sea conditions should, in theory, improve. The last few days have not been just testing, but they have taken me once again a long way inside myself to find the strength to keep sailing safely. Oh. Since Cape Horn, since Cape Horn, which seems to me like weeks ago now, I've had nothing but changeable conditions. We've had every sail up, bar the Jenica, I don't know what this is, sorry, and the mainsail through its full range on several occasions. Yesterday I was more tired than I've ever been on the whole trip. With conditions worsening through the day, my body ached, and with the strain of the trip so far, my joints throbbed. Together with the lump of my head, I just felt like I was empty. I've tried so hard to rest, but when things are changing with the weather and the boat's safety is in danger, it's very, very hard to switch off. Disconnecting the brain does not come easily. Although your body might be exhausted, your brain doesn't allow itself to switch off. And though functions like eating, drinking, charging the batteries, coiling the ropes can become tasks forced by habit, sleeping is not necessarily something that comes on demand. We had a terrible time. The wind building, the sea horrendous. We needed to get east, but the waves were just pushing us west. B&Q was suffering. And so was I. I made lunch, albeit at about two o'clock in the afternoon. After frantic 35 knots with seas breaking all over the boat, which ripped off the starboard mesh protection, I climbed straight onto my bunk after pulling on a new dry shirt and thought, at least I've eaten, now I can sleep. Then I realised I couldn't remember having eaten and glanced over the gallery to see my food was still sitting there stone cold. I ate it straight away anyway, followed with some sports drink. That was how tired I was. But then last night, during a short break in the weather's busy schedule, I was able to get some sleep. Uh, how much, I don't know, but I forced it. I lay still, I had to, and I do feel a bit better now. I'm not back to 100%, but I'm back, looking forward to getting out of this terrible seas. I'm <laughs> pointing out bows once again to the north. No thanks. No, I'm all right. Mentally and physically exhausted. You know, and this is not like, uh, you know, if, if I get this wrong, I've bossed up the accounts for the last three months. <laughs> I've accidentally deleted three emails. Oh no! If I get this wrong, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably drown and die. It's it's so impressive. She's such an impressive person. And when you see her, I think of it as a dad. I remember the bit when she came back home, 
and the parents were there at the quayside, and she's. I thought, can you imagine? I mean, for them as well, how terrified you'd be. Mm. Oh, constantly. We've yeah. all got kids. Mm. If your kids decided to go on a on a so seventy one days, fourteen hours, eighteen minutes, and thirty three seconds. So she's at sea for the best part of two and a half months in some of the roughest seas in the world on her own, right? So she says goodbye to you in the UK, and she's gone. You'll see you in two and a half months. And, and there's nothing you can do. What can you do? You, you always want to think you can help your kids out. If, this, if you're in the middle of the South Pacific, or sorry, if you're in the middle of the South Atlantic, or if you're a few hundred miles off the coast of the Falkland Islands. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to see what human beings can achieve and how impressive it is and what someone... And she's tiny, Helen MacArthur, when you see her. Helen MacArthur is like, what is she, five foot two or something, silly? Something like that, yeah. She's not, she's not, a, big, not a big person. No. But Christ, she's got next level levels of, of bravery it is incredible and endurance so um and skill i mean that's the thing it's it's, it's having to do all that and be extremely skilled. and you forget it's a race you know she's not just trying to stay alive well that's the thing that, yeah she's trying she's, to win a race at yeah the same time. she's trying to win the race can you imagine trying to fall asleep how do you relax enough to sleep well how, i mean yeah, you must how? just get pure exhaustion where you have to you wouldn't get more than an hour because you're in a boat and something would happen. Well, if you, have you ever looked at, and I love the sea, right? I, I'd love to, at some point in my life, have a place where I could see the sea all the time, right? And at night time, there's something seriously foreboding about the yes, sea. Yes, I agree. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's lovely in there's the daylight. It's a real dark, yes, but there's something, sin- not sin- yeah, no, I yeah, think it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like getting on the bloody ferry to France when I can't see the coast. You know, if, if once I'm like three or four miles out of port, like, oh, Jesus Christ, I couldn't swim from here, right? <laughs> Imagine being three thousand miles from land, yeah, in like forty foot waves on your own, yeah, at night. Oh my god, it's like a bloody anxiety dream. So yeah, so it's called Ella MacArthur Race Against Time, and it is the photographs are great. She's she's disarmingly honest, and she's just incredibly impressive as a person. So um, yeah, Brilliant. if you want to feel like you're not trying hard enough in your life, or you're not brave enough, <laughs> then, uh, I can. I can recommend Ella MacArthur Race Against Time. Um, live dates, go to distantpod.com slash live. Have a look on there, click on the link and see what is still available. Yeah, we'll be back with you with another episode uh, this time next week. Goodbye. See you then, guys. 10-4. Cheers, boys. by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, 
we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League goals roundups? I mean, really listen to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13, and when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although Striker A squandered a gilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to football cliches wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.